Well, hello, Amanda. Hi. Hi. I just want to welcome everybody to What Women Binge. We're back. We have Chris Caraba from Dashboard, Dashboard Confessional. Right here in our very own What Women Binge studio, we have Chris Caraba from Dashboard Confessional playing his brand new song, Here's to Moving On. It's another week. It's another week, another show. We have a guest today. Well, let's hold on. Yeah, we'll get there. You are so, someone is so excited about this guest right here. To talk All right, about we'll get this. in that in a second. But I want to talk today about podcasts. Okay. Other podcasts. We have a podcast. You can subscribe anywhere you get your podcast. And, and you can subscribe on YouTube and see our little faces. Um, some podcasts. So you're not a podcast girl. I'm not. I'm trying to be. I'm learning from you're you. You're on a podcast. I'm on a podcast, which is a first step, right? Right. The other step is like, it's the only time I use my AirPods, AirBuds, earbuds, whatever they're called. Earpods? I don't know what they're called. But that's what I use Earballs, as my children yeah. call them. <laughs> earballs. I stick them in my earballs, and I walk around the block with the dog, and that's my favorite time to listen to podcasts or on a long drive. But here's some, I've been really into some, and I've also been on some recently. Oh, So talk about I that. was on, so Carly and Chris Kirkpatrick were guests of ours, and um, Carly's sister, Erin, does a podcast called Squats and Margaritas. Yes, I've heard of this. So that one's fun. It's about how she kind of came into her best self in her late 30s by realizing she could eat what she wanted if she worked out. And so there's hope with heavy weight. Yeah, heavy weights. She uses <laughs> heavy weights. Yes. And so she's um she's very inspirational. She's great on Instagram. So that's one that I was on and um that's really fun. Another one is my friend Kelly Martin, mm-hmm. who directed my movie in Montana last year, one of my best friends. She has one with Chad Lowe, who she was on. Kelly was the star of Life Goes On, as well as tons of other stuff like oh, ER and Christy. Yeah. Kelly, um, on Life Goes On, dates Chad Lowe. And Chad Lowe is one of the first television characters, I think, to have AIDS or HIV. Um, I feel like I remember the this. Show. Yeah. Yes. And so it's about a boy named Corky who is Down syndrome and his family and yes. what happens around the family. And Kelly's storyline for the, I think the end of the show is with Chad Lowe and how he has AIDS and how she wants to have sex with him. And I remember this like really dramatic episode. But anyway, they have a show together called The Big Break. And I was on that one. It was really cool. It's um, It's pretty new. And it's all about how people got their big break in the industry. So I was the first guest. Oh, that's exciting. And so it was fun. It was talking about like my first job and kind of what led to what and that sort of thing. So you can check out the big break. And then I've been um, told I need to listen to Unprotected Sets. S E T S, and it's, I love a play on. I words. was told this. Yeah, I was told this by a, a woman I was um, meeting with at one of the studio networks, and um, and she said unprotected unprotected sets is about um, stand up comedians. I love listening to stand up in the car. Oh, I love stand up. So unprotected sets is a good one. You have uh, the breakdown or um, something about breakdown with Mayan Bialik. You have Life Is Short with Justin Long. I just started listening to. Mm-hmm. He's a fellow Canadian. There's a Yellowstone Wait, one. Nutmegger. Connecticut. Right? He's a nutmegger. Is that right? In Connecticut. That's you're right. Look at you learning. Retaining things. Did you know that Russell Brand has one called Under the Skin? Uh yes. And have you ever listened to no. it? No. So I've only seen video snippets. My husband listens to it fairly often. And he shows me, you know, little nuggets here and there. But it is highly entertaining. It gets very political. Okay. But he is so He wants to get under your skin. He's deep. And he comes across as like very intellectual, which I don't, I don't know. I feel like he's he's got he that artist soul where he knows what he knows very yes. well, and he he's very curious. Talks about it well in a way that you want to listen to it. And right, I, I'm going to check it out. I can feel. I feel like if you're open minded to both sides politically, it's a great one because he tells the truth about okay. both sides. All right, I'm going to check that it's out. It's very cool. There's also an interesting one I've been listening to recently. I haven't gotten very far in it, but um, nice white parents. 
about kind of gentrified schools in Brooklyn. Oh, no. Yeah, it's an interesting one. <laughs> talk about political. And then, of course, our friend Candace King has directionally challenged. Um, I like Let's Talk to Lucy. Lucille Ball had a radio show, so they put it into a yes, podcast. Yes. And another cool one. Well, we have fake doctors, real friends and the office ladies, of course, mm-hmm. with some of my friends in those. Noble Blood, we've discussed many times, is like my you favorite. You got shouted out on Twitter. Oh, by Dana Schwartz. Yes. The, the host of it. Does that I not love, make you a little it bit does. I kind of love it. <laughs> and then I just have to mention one I really enjoyed but found was very conflicted about was Dolly Parton's America. Um, I haven't listened to it yet, but Dolly is queen. So I moved to Nashville and all I knew of Dolly Parton was nine to five. So I just. But she reigns over your bathroom. Uh, she reigns over my bathroom. There's a huge picture of her over in my what we call the Gucci bathroom. Yes. And um, and it's, you know, I moved here and I was like, OK, Elvis and Dolly are two things like the state. Like they're they're the icons and Dolly I didn't know much about. So someone said, listen to Dolly Parton's America. And it's interesting because there was a class that was started called Dolly Parton's America. And I don't really love the way the guys do the way they produce the podcast. Um, They have a lot of like her feet walking in the woods, but not a lot of like they talk about the sound her dress was making on the way to the stage. But they don't have that sound in there or they're talking about like what kind of snakes might live near her childhood home. But I don't want to hear about that. I want to hear more from like I didn't love the content, but I liked what I learned from it. Yes. I learned but, a lot about her, and I and now I'm excited. I'm going to go to Dollywood soon, and I'm well, excited. As, you weren't here as a Tennessean when when your kids were younger, but Dolly has the Imagination Library. Did they talk about that oh, at all? Oh, I heard about that. It yeah. is the coolest thing. So if you live in Tennessee and your kids are under the age of five, it they she sends you free books in and, the mail. I mean, she's just a philanthropist on every level, you know, and and what they talk about really in Dolly Parton's America is the fascination of her being both um, you know, super country um, you know, kind of the the red states love her, the deep south, like she's like the icon for that, but also for LGBTQ. Oh, like, yes. She somehow can have little old grannies in her audience and also have, you know, her, her, she's her an fabulous gay friends. Yeah. yeah. And she really, I mean, she's, I feel like she's fair and loving to all. She's super open-minded. She's super lovely, it seems. And and the goal, our goal. Our is goal what? is to get Dolly. But today. Today. Today we have a fantastic guest that Amanda. It's not Dolly, but to me. It's not, but In it's, my heart, it's pretty up there. It's your childhood <laughs> fangirl coming alive. It is. I cannot believe that this happened. It's serendipitous. It's exciting. Uh, we have Chris Caraba from Dashboard, from Dashboard Confessional. Confessional. <laughs> and my inner 15-year-old cannot deal. I know. You are like you are, gonna you are jumping out of your skin. All right. So let's do a little <laughs> intro and bring Chris in here, huh? Okay. So he's born in Westford, Connecticut, one of my favorite places, and raised in Boca Raton. He sings, plays guitar, piano, keyboard. He's into skateboarding and passionate about music from the time he was a teenager at 15 um, he was given a guitar from his uncle that led him to being nicknamed the godfather of emo. We'll ask him what he thinks about that. <laughs> um, and he sparked the emo craze with his bad band, Dashboard Confessional. In 2004, he had the hit song Vindicated, which was the theme song to Spider-Man 2 movie. He And we have to ask him about that. He recently celebrated some big anniversaries. He had the 20th anniversary of the hit song Hands Down, which he closes mm-hmm. every show with. And he had the 20th anniversary of the MTV Unplugged he did. And I was there. You went to the re- the show in, what, November at the Ryman? Yes. And so you'll have to ask him all kinds of questions about that. Um, he's dropping his eighth album this year titled All the Truth I Can Tell, um, which is going to drop February 25th this week. Mm-hmm. And with the new wonderful single, it's out now. 
But um, oh, it's called Here's Here's to Moving On. So that song is out now, and then the album is coming out this week. He's also an investor in Canvino, a company that empowers female winemakers and puts delicious wine in convenient cans. Ooh. You take it to the beach. And he also has a deep love of the long-running TV show The West Wing, which influenced some of his music. And we hope he will tell us about that. And he also has a new tour coming out with Jimmy Eat World. He's going to be touring with them. And it's called the Surviving the Truth Tour. And it's going to launch February 27th. They're going to start in Albuquerque. And hopefully we'll get to see them here sometime. Maybe we'll have to ask them. We are going. We will find them. So, Amanda, did you know that HelloFresh can save you time and money? I absolutely did. And give you recipes. It's so good. They can do so much. They do so much for me already. They can. You know why? Because they are America's number one meal kit. Doesn't surprise me at all. They send you everything. Everything's portioned out. The recipe cards right there, easy to read. I mean, even my kids can get involved in it. They make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable, right? They also, you can customize your favorite dishes with their new Hello Custom offerings by swapping out one protein or a side for another. Which makes it so great because I have kids who won't eat broccoli. Oh, yeah. Well, some picky eaters. They won't eat broccoli. That's like the only vegetable my kids will eat, by the way, is broccoli. Two of mine will. The other one, not so much. You can upgrade for a more luxe experience, and you can even add protein to a veggie meal if you want to. I love that. And they have limited time recipes. And can we just talk about the miso, sesame shrimp, and bacon ramen? Uh, Yeah, I'm going to need to try that. I mean, right now, all these cozy classics are still there. They got the beef tenderloin and cheese fondue. Yum. I mean, delicious stuff happening here. So what I need you guys to do if you want to get in on this good stuff is go to HelloFresh.com slash binge16. That's B-I-N-G-E-1-6. And use the code BINGE16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Yep, that's right. Go to HelloFresh.com slash BINGE16 and use the code BINGE16, B-I-N-G-E, 16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. Yeah, and thank you, HelloFresh, for being America's number one meal kit and also for sponsoring this episode of What Women Binge. So I have been drinking protein shakes and, like, you know, putting the powders in my like oat milks and stuff and shaking it all up for years. I've been doing that as my like get my day started. But I finally found a delicious way to get my protein before or after workouts. And what is that? Because I want me to tell you. Do you want me to tell you? It's called Magic Spoon. Oh, I know you know about this stuff. We love Magic Spoon. (laughs) Magic Spoon is so great because it has zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein and only four net carbs in each serving. And that's only 140 calories per serving. As you know, it's gluten free. It's keto-friendly, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb. Love that. And it comes in four yummy flavors, right? Delicious Cocoa, flavors. fruity, frosted, and peanut butter. And you can mix and match however you want. And we do. And we do. <laughs> so all you got to do is go to magicspoon.com slash WWB, like what women binge, WWB, to grab a variety pack and try it today. Be sure to use our promo code WWB at checkout to save $5 off your first order. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happy happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, which I think you're crazy, if you don't, (laughs) they'll refund your money. No questions asked. And remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash WWB and use the code WWB to save $5 off. Thanks, Magic Spoon, for sponsoring What Women Binge. Hey, guys. Here we are with our wonderful guest, Chris Caraba, otherwise known as the godfather of emo. Do you, do, you, yes. do you accept that title? I do. Well, no one ever calls me that directly. But <laughs> well, I'll, I am. <laughs> it's happening I'll, today. It's mostly just Chris, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> so Godfather. Um, <laughs> so we have a super fan here, Amanda. I am a huge fan. I've been a fan a long time. Really? Yes. That means, how'd you ever hear about me? Well, I went through an emo phase, as most kids do. Not a phase. 
<laughs> um, no, it's honestly not a phase. It was it was actually a really big part of my life. When I guess I'm trying to think of years, I feel like my life is just compartmentalized into these spans of years. Oh, of course, uh, it was before I moved to Nashville. Before kids, before husband, before yes. Yeah, so it had to be early 2000s, maybe late 90s. Um, you know, the scene kid era. Yeah. With the I had like 14 colors in my hair and <laughs> eyeliner up to my eyebrows, and I was an anti-conforming conformist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, yeah. But I, I just, your your songs are the soundtrack to those years. I mean, Amanda's been there for a lot of your big moments, like the Ryman recently for mm-hmm. your anniversary. And we were, I was there for that. I mean, I've seen you all over the country, actually. So that, does that freak you out? You're sitting next to a stalker? No. I'm not a stalker. <laughs> so, I'm a true blue super fan. fan. Super like, fan. I can talk about it no, and not no. feel weird. So, like, <laughs> you can attest to this, but the relationship I've had with my, my fans isn't really, like, the the typical ones bands will have with their fans. There's not been a whole big like line of demarcation between me and the audience. And that's kind of by design. And because of the scene that you and I are from, right. you know, it was a, it was like a by your boot, by your bootstraps kind of scene where you built the, the shows as a person who attended the shows. It was a mm-hmm. social media before social media. It really was. You built relationships and people connected to the songs. And right. so they brought their friends and it just kept growing. Right. So, so you, you said by design, like what was the thinking behind? Well, I thought that the the, the uh, trappings of of like rock stardom or whatever, as it, as, it, as it appeared to me, were were kind of cliche and a little um, um, tropey. You know what I mean? They mm-hmm. they just they, they that part didn't appeal to me. I thought that that bit where you got to be on stage and s- sing your songs felt like the part I wanted to keep. Okay. That seemed pretty dope. But <laughs> but the the rest of the uh, the um, posturing didn't quite appeal yeah. to me. And it's good too, because I, I don't have that thing. I don't have that swagger, that level of swagger that you have to have to be like, um, Jagger one, or something to like that. To be a like Jagger. A, like yeah. A, like or or whatever they know. Like in that way. Like you, yeah. you're an artist, like you're an artist. A true and artist. Art is where sense. you, like, I don't know, like for me, it was never like my, my son wants to, everyone's like, Oh, do your kids want to be an actor? And if they do, it's only for the wrong reasons. It's for the fame or the money, yeah. not like, for me, it was like, I want to be a working actor. I want to I want to be Betty White. I want to work my whole life, and I want to keep doing stuff that entertains and, like, just be in it. I don't need to be, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer or, you know, I just want to be, like, someone that entertains. And that was my goal, too. I just kind of wanted to see if I could write these songs that could um, move people. And that's a pretty, pretty small goal. And then I thought, like, the, the wild pie in the sky thing was like, what, what if I could also like pay rent you know? <laughs> while so, playing guitar? And I did it. You did. I totally. I, I just paid all my bills with, with music. There you go. And, um, That's a dream. And, that was the, and, it, and it went beyond that. And so uh, I didn't get there by myself and I didn't get there in the traditional way of um, you signed to some label and they have all the infrastructure there. What I did have was this scene where you could you could make a record and maybe your friend, like my best friend, who was, I mean, she was only like 17, I think, at the time. And she put out my record. Oh, wow. Because she had, that was, she was like a business, she was like one of these kids that was like, probably, you know, in first grade was selling candy to everybody. Yeah, you know, like yeah, that. yeah. And then <laughs> she was fast the fast forward, Girl uh, Scout, so yeah. those cookies. And then in high school, she was putting out records. Nice. And, um, you know, she would go on to have like a stellar kind of career in the music industry that was uh, um, not shocking to me at all. Her name is Amy Fleischer Madden. And, um, and when she, uh, you know, but that's what you had to have. You had to have yeah. like one or two people that were your, that you knew 
and you could reach and that they would help you out. And then you'd had, had to have a scene like we were describing where there was like people would go to every show. People embrace you and kind of lift you up and, and well, move like, along with you. You still had to prove it, but you had the chance. You had the opportunity. Yeah. So like, every, like as a member of that scene, I would go to every show. Mm. Even if I didn't know or like the band particularly, I just go to every show because you were sort of building the community and you knew it. Okay. And so it was all in our hands. And then what we did was tell everybody. If we did like what we saw or heard, I should say, we told everybody we could mm. in a way that made it, it I guess, go viral in, in today's parlance, viral with right? Viral in real life. In real life. You would be like mailing CDRs to people that you oh, could, wow. you know. EPKs earned. were literally on a CD. Yeah. Gosh. You would... Mail them out and wow. pray that somebody opened their mail. Right. So and then Napster came along and Napster kind of made my career because suddenly oh, all those scenes became connected. Yeah. And uh, I think at one point... You were like a Napster baby. Though. I was. And I think I was told at one point, like when I did, when I was finally on a major label for the first time, a couple of years later, a lawyer from that label came and told me um, that they needed my help to, to um, battle Napster. And I <laughs> thought, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Like I... I have a career because of because Napster. Of I can't tell everybody not to do go it. Go stick it, wow. you know. And uh, so, I, what'd you do? <laughs> Can you I, tell us? <laughs> I did not. Uh, I did not sign up for that battle. Okay, I couldn't Good. do it. Couldn't do it. Um, so I have to. I want to talk to you for a minute about Connecticut. Yeah, let's talk. You were born in West Hartford. I was born in Hartford, and I grew up in West Hartford and Glastonbury. Okay. I was real little. I lived in Glastonbury. I moved. So I lived, I grew up in New York on Long Island and Manhattan and then moved to LA when I was 20 to do Sabrina. And then when I got married, we were trying to, when we had a baby, we were trying to figure out where we could live outside of LA. And, um, we looked at Nashville and we went up and looked at Connecticut. Cause as a New Yorker, that was like the dream. Yeah. Like Connecticut was the dream, the white picket fence dream. Right. And we went up there and it was just, oh, I was, it was like my heaven. It was a Norman Rockwell painting. And I just loved, did you, do you have fond memories of Connecticut or? Such fond memories. And, you know, I lived there until I was about 15, 16, 15 or 16. And, um, a lot of my family, I'm from a huge Italian family. Okay. And there, we, we are there in big numbers in, yeah. in West Hartford. Do you go back? Every year. Here, yeah, oh, you do? As often as I can. Well, I will be there, uh, very shortly actually in March because, uh, there's a nineties Comic-Con that I'm going to be a part of. Yes. So I'm going. I'm going to get to go to Hartford. Where's it at the Civic Center? I don't. Probably. Yeah. I actually probably. Don't know. There's not. It's Connecticut. There's I'll not. find out. I'll find <laughs> out soon. Someone will drive me there. That, that's sure where things happen there. I'll find it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I love it, and I uh, I go back every chance I get. Such good friends there, and it's just such a beautiful, just a beautiful state. Just so like it's, idyllic. And it's lovely, and you know we considered that when before moving to Nashville, and part of me thinks that that's that's where I'll end up in in the long run. But really? I've been so happy here. Um, we like well, it here. Yeah, I know. I love Nashville, but I, but I just, I, I had such a, I don't know. Connecticut was like just such a, a, a home for me that I was like so excited to. When I moved there, I was just so excited to be there, and I just dug in and I planted my roots. Yeah. And then my husband wanted to be in the south, so I said, "Well, Nashville's as far south as I'll go right now." So, um, so that's so that's where we are. So here we are, and yeah, now I get a, to hang out with you. And there's a big representation of people from Connecticut here. You'll find. Oh, really? I have found. Oh, all right. You have to introduce me to some. Um, yeah, no, that feels very warm and cozy, even though I'm from New York, lived in LA for 15 years, but now been here over a year. So I'm starting to get, and thank God for Amanda, who's just been my dear friend here. But yeah, I just had to, I had to go to that connection. So wait, can you tell me, um, how did like your, how does your band come together? Are you, is it the same band you always use or how, how is that transformed? I have been really lucky to have like a, a um, group of players that have, that have stuck with me, uh, for many years, but it's not always the band or the same band. It's, um, 
You are dashboard confessor. So in the in as much as a lot of the records, the whole record will just be me and an acoustic guitar. So in that definition, yeah, I guess I am mm -hmm. dashboard confessional. And then I have I have players, uh, Armin J and Chris Camrata and Scott Shanebeck. Do you have like um, studio performers and then you have like tour people? I have most, it's mostly all, it's mostly the same people. Okay. I'll have a handful of people that I'll reach out to, especially being in Nashville where there's these access to players that are just insane. Oh my gosh. I have to say going to church here is oh. a different right? story. Like yeah, I feel like everywhere game. I've ever gone to church, you struggle with the music program. And then here you're like, wow. Yeah. Every church is like, <laughs> It's like a concert. Wow, I yeah. should record this. Yeah, it's insane. And then they go to the tree lighting at my kid's school, and all of a sudden, CC Winans is singing Holy Night, and you're like, yeah. she's weeping. My, my I'm like crying, <laughs> and my head is exploding. Like, this is the most amazing singing I've ever heard. Um, but yeah, so it's, it's it's definitely a mecca for music, right? So. Absolutely. And then all the other musicians that you meet in town that, you know, uh, will just pitch in and you have all these people that you just like always looked up to and they're suddenly mm -hmm. playing on your record or just jamming with you on your porch. Now, I know there's a like a big country contingent here, but with the uh, with the emo um, crowd, do you find, do you like play in the honky tonks or anything like that? Is there ever a time when you come out and play? I know you played the Ryman recently. No, I don't know that we... There used to be a lot of like what we considered underground clubs. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. Did you ever do the Exit In? Yeah. Yeah. I play the exit in basement, basement east. east. Um, I just saw both of the. My son wants to. He, he he's just turned sixteen. We're trying to find him a job. He's like, I just want to set up amps on a stage. Yeah. So if you need someone to set up, amps I got on a stage. guy. But I was okay. like, I looked at those two places. I'll, I'll connect you with somebody. Yeah. I just yeah. looked at those two places though. I think they it's still a great exist, first right? Job. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, those yeah. places are still there. Okay. And the end. There was a lot of shows at the end. The end. I have a nice memory of because before I was here, like my one of my first shows was at the end. The end is not like. The most high-end spot you'll ever walk. No, no, no. In. The end is literally the end of civilization. But it is awesome. It's got a great <laughs> vibe and everything. Yes. Yes. It's well worn in. But when you've played, like just to take Nashville as the as the um, example, like when you played from the end to the Ryman, which is a beautiful theater, and then even a Bridgestone and Ascend, you know, the, the amphitheater and the, uh, the, uh, the arena and the amphitheater, respectively. When you then walk by the end, sometimes you go, "Wow, look how far we've I've come! come a, I've yeah. come a bit of a ways." It's kind of nice to have that in my own backyard. Kind of sounds like the a... Cavern Club in uh, Liverpool, like where the Beatles yeah. kind of started that tiny. That actually, is I went in there the week before line. lockdown. Oh, yeah? I was in Liverpool doing a comic con, and it was crazy because um, we wanted to go see the Cavern Club just because the Beatles. And um, like now thinking about it, I'm like, it was so claustrophobic, and with COVID, like. <laughs> Five days later, there's an international lockdown for COVID. So luckily I got back in the States. But like thinking about where we were like a few days before that to go down these tight little stairs. If you've ever been there, like tight little stairs and then into like this cave. It's literally a base. There's only one way out. Yeah. And like mm -hmm. we went back to this back room where they used to perform. Where the, I guess the actual original wall is, that crazy wall. Mm -hmm. but they've moved it to the front part of the Cavern Club now. But we got to go to the back part of the club and just kind of get a little space. But like you're in there and people are just dancing and singing and loud and there's one little bar and you got to wait forever for a drink and then you got to get back up the like fire escape stairs and it just seems like a hazard now thinking about it but yeah that's what you're, it sounds like i'm gonna have to go check out some of these underground clubs it's fun so which do you prefer like big stadium or small intimate right in the middle yeah like i i'm glad i get to do them all and i do do them all like we were talking just i mean this is a little inside baseball i guess for people that don't live in nashville but uh, we, we mentioned basement east mm -hmm. i love those kinds of places so i did like 
I think I did five nights or seven nights there instead of doing one night at really a bigger good. place just because it's like there's a certain energy you can get. And you can't do that everywhere, but when you live in that town, it's, it's yeah. awesome to be able to do Do you ever just like pop up and, for a show here oh, and yeah. there as opposed to like go on a big tour? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I do that all the time. You know, when I lived in Florida for a long time, there was like a, a, a little um, – there's a pub called the Iron and Eagle uh, that um, that I would go – to like just on the spur of the moment and just like sing. I haven't found that here. What about like, uh, what's the deli down in Leaper's Fork that Puckets? Puckets. Yeah. Puckets. I actually went down there once for, uh, there was supposed to be like a like a, a bonfire party someone was taking me to or something that ended up being like a bunch of people playing music on stage at Puckets, which I thought was interesting because I knew it as a deli. Yep. And then, mm-hmm. um, but then all, but some of my drunk friends thought that it was a karaoke and got up on stage and grabbed the mic. And I was like, that's yeah. I don't know that it's a karaoke, but they were famous, so they got to do it. But I wonder if Puckets would be a, a place got, to jam. They had me sign a guitar and hang it on the wall there, so I felt so, like so I, tell them that's I'm my guitar. I'm going to come play. So I could yeah. just grab my guitar. Off. Do that. Yeah. Call me when you do. I'll I want to come. I'll be there. <laughs> I'll be there. Um, so I, okay, so we have to ask you about an album that was or a song that was inspired by your obsession with the West Wing. So okay, you know, first we're, of all, I said li- li- Iron and Eagle, and I'll get killed. But it's it's Lion and Eagle. Oh, Lion, Lion yeah. and Lion Eagle. And Eagle. But we were talking last night because you you gave me a few things to be on that lookout for. Mm-hmm. That I because I and I do freeze when we're, when I'm asked questions. First thing, my first reaction is like, wait, what? A question? And I go blank <laughs> for a second. So I was glad you did that, and I thank you both for doing that. Yeah, no problem. But my brother, I was like, what's my favorite movie? I said, my brother's like Iron Eagle. Oh, oh, I said, yeah. I don't know. Okay, so that's not it, but I that's bet you it. I won't be able to get that out of my head. <laughs> and here we are. I've, I haven't been able to get it out. I said my friends are wrong. So the West Wing. Yeah. So yeah. so you so you you said you've just you've watched it what six times? All I've the watched way it so many times. I've watched it at least six times all the way through. And like you know, I'll do repeat watching. Everybody does, right? Yeah, but yeah. I'll do repeat watching the shows I love. Absolutely true. And like when you know, like for me, I, I suffer from insomnia, and so like I'll watch things like. Parks and Rec, Parks and Recreation, or, or The Office, because, of course, I know those plots inside and out. Yeah. I can't do that with The West Wing, though, because they're so dense. Yeah. And the, the, some of those through lines, some of those threads last for seasons. Mm. And, um, and so I can't watch it at night to fall asleep, but I'll watch it all, like I watch it on the bus, I'll watch it backstage, I watch it at home. Wait, so that's so funny. So you find, so West Wing, you will... You can't fall asleep to because of the threads, because of the information, because it's you have too to much stay to it. It's so funny, I find it the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> I find that it's like so overwhelming that I'm like, oh, I'm just gonna go to sleep. That's but if it's something like Friends, I'm like, I know this one. I'll watch and I'll stay awake. For oh, really? It. It's so weird. Yeah. No, I feel like the the low stakes nature of of something like a like Parks and Recreation. I can yeah. like I can be like oh I feel like see I wait I'm, I'm just comforted and I'm waiting for that one moment I'm like oh I know that one part I want to I'm waiting for that one part you know it's like the part in the song that you're waiting for something you're waiting for it and like and then with like something like the West Wing I um it's just well any like one hour show really I just kind of have a little especially when it's a little bit like slow talking like I like something like the Great keeps me mm-hmm. going but like something like even Yellowstone I'll get a little drowsy no I I love shows like the West Wing because the dialogue is fast. You're mm. expected to know so much already. Yeah. Like I love in the first episode of West Wing when they're they use POTUS for the first time. First time. And you're like, we all know now looking back, but 
that wasn't well, like I think we know that from Instagram and I stuff from do. hashtags, right? That's right. But that wasn't like a thing no. they used all the they time. In, they they kind of introduce it to the world in the very first episode, and he gets on and he goes, "Who's POTUS? Who's this POTUS guy?" Or yeah, the girl and he goes, and yeah, and, she, and he goes, you know, it, it's the it's it's his, more his job title. Go, yeah. She goes, "Who's this POTUS guy?" And yeah, and he so, says, uh, "Rob Lowe says it right." Yeah, I think. yeah. And they and the the uh, the show is not afraid of getting ahead of the audience in, in no. that respect. Yeah, well, that's Aaron Sorkin, so, right, in general. He, I think yes. so. And he trusts that there's a certain level of uh, in, intelligence that the, the, the audience will just find it, or when they finally give it to him, it'll be give it, when he finally gives it to the audience, it's worth the wait. I think both of those things are true. I, I find in the, um, I find like I don't, as a, as a viewer of any television, I don't, I don't love to feel like I've outsmarted the show. Mm-hmm. I find that to be like a little like, I don't know if I find it, I think I just find it boring. Yeah, yeah. And so, and I'm just like, I'm not smart enough to keep up with West Wing. I don't know how many people are smart enough to keep up with Aaron it's a Sorkin. Challenge. No, so I have to ask you, does, does West Wing translate for you to like House of Cards? Yeah. There's a, so you like House of Cards I as do, well. So I is do. it like any presidential or government or like, does it translate to the CSIs or like the Chicago Fire or any of that? Um, do you just like the procedurals, the episodics, the... I don't know that it's, that it translates that that far out and it's not specific to politics um i think it is specific to aaron sorkin i mean oh, the yeah. newsroom, newsroom or even oh i loved newsroom too or even studio 60 which was not mm-hmm. which wasn't the most wasn't my favorite among them was still riveting to me um have you seen to kill a mockingbird on broadway yet i haven't seen it no Oh, my little nick robinson from melissa and joey my little nephew he was in that and i didn't see it unbelievable i should have gone he outdid himself. And I'm an Aaron Sorkin fan. Um, it blew my mind. Well, I loved so well I mean, his movie last year, I think, was the best movie. Chicago 7 was like the best movie of the year to me. And a lot of people, but especially to me. Um, so so h- tell us how The West Wing, like, kind of it inspired one of your songs or maybe just a line in your song. But how did it sort of... Well, it's repeatedly done this throughout my career as a, as a songwriter. And I can think back to an early song of mine as the first example... And it was, I believe it was, um, I think it was during like the, the recount in the, mm-hmm. in the Bush-Gore elections and, and um, like while they were still trying to count the votes. You in Florida then? I was in Florida. And it all felt very hot in yeah. a lot of ways <laughs> yeah. to be down there then. And I remember, you know, the um, watching, I had them on VHS. I was watching the, the uh, in my van. I had a little... <laughs> Like one of those like, mods that I did. I had to, <laughs> and I remember watching those and like, who knows what I was doing, probably waiting for a show to start or something like mm. that. Watching them on my van and thinking like, this is the future like we want. They're like working out all this conflict. It's working. It eventually mm. works out. And there was a sense that nothing was going to work out mm. in America at that, in that moment. And some could argue that it didn't. Some would argue that it did just mm. fine. Um and I had a song I was working on. It was called the, the Good Fight. And I just remember it. I remember it non, it wasn't linear, but I remember turning the, turning the, the, my little TV off. I was watching it on a screen like this. It was almost <laughs> like when there's, remember the iPod mm-hmm. uh, video screens? It was like that size. But and now, and now turning, you can think about the, the quality. Just, it's like, it should be on a movie screen. Absolutely. It's so good. Yeah. But hey man, I'll take what I can get. Yeah. yeah, that yeah, stuff, yeah especially, exactly. especially in those days. Um, and I remember turning it off and I wrote the song and I could sense that I could sense the thread. I could see the connection between this song that I'd written about kind of kind of about like standing up for your convictions no matter what mm. in, in, in the face of them. And um, I think it was inspired by 
two things at once. It, with songs, it's often more than one thing. Is it? Is it? Is you. there always a love undertone though, or like a? Well, there is for Dashboard because that was the conceit of Dashboard to begin with, and it's kind of remained. It was like, what if I could take any worldview I have or any view I have about anything, and kind of boil it into this relate into a language that makes sense as if it was about a relationship. So the conflict itself may have been political, yeah. maybe yeah. Uh, in, in this example, but it was a, could I make it sound like it's about I love the that. challenges I of mean, a relationship? I mean, because I think whenever I think of songs, I always try to think of what a, an under, like if love, if it is about love, but what's an underlying kind of context of a, a song? Like my husband's a, a songwriter, but he like, you know, and I know there's songs that he's written about his football coach, about his father. But of course, they could all, you know, the first time you listen to him, you're like, oh, it's a love song. Up, oh, he's heartbroken. Up, oh, <laughs> yeah. you know, that kind of thing. But What'd you're you like, do, Melissa? No. <laughs> no, the only one he wrote about me was kind of like a sweet little love song. Aww. He did write a really beautiful one about our son, Mason, um, when he was actually in a studio in New Jersey recording his album. He came up with a song just uh, it's called Gone. Um, and he, uh, it's, it's kind of a sad, it's a sad song and you'd think it's just about losing love, but it's about his son not being with him, you know? So that one relate to that. That one's a little bit of a better song than the one he wrote about me. <laughs> well, jealous of my son, but the other two can be more jealous because they don't have songs written. By daddy. <laughs> he's the only he's one that got a song written. Yeah. He's got, he's got to start songwriting again. It's been like 12 years, but, um, so what other, like, well, like for other contexts, like with West Wing, what's, what are the, um, but what are sort of the storylines or the threads that you've enjoyed on the show? Man. Um, like favorite episodes? Well, the Two Cathedrals is my, is my favorite episode. It's probably everybody's favorite episode that followed the West Wing. It's just like such a tour de force performance um, from Martin Sheen, but from the entire cast. And it's... Uh, I don't know how spoiler, spoil, whether or not I should avoid these spoilers. Just, just, no, it's just okay. Say spoiler alert. We're there's good. okay. Spoiler <laughs> alert. They're dealing with the death of a main, of a of a main a main character, I guess, but not not a integral character in every scene, but somebody that's been in the cast the entire time, and it's um, an affront uh, to his faith in God, and he's facing it down in um, in a cathedral, and it's it's. It is bare and bold in the way that he's just ch like challenging God, like verbally challenging God in Latin and Latin at times. Even. What season is this? Do you know? This is season. You should know if you've seen it. I should. I should. <laughs> well, I'm not. I don't have like that kind of encyclic, encyclopedic no, yeah, yeah. brain in the first place. Um, I think it's season two. Okay. All right. I'm going to check that one out because I don't know that well, one. Well, I want to hear the song. But, Can we hear the song? Which one? Oh, I should tell you about how the uh, most recently. Um, uh, connected because the song I referenced was from like my second record, oh, okay. but in recent times and I have had a song. How many albums? I is it eight, six? Should be. <laughs> I think on. it's like eight. Or hang on, let me ask my ear. <laughs> Magic ear, can you tell us how many albums um, Chris has had? Wait, I think I have it written here. I think I said it if I had my you glasses. Don't have your glasses on. I think it's eight. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, nine. you're dropping your eighth. You're dropping your eighth album. It's either that or fewer or more. In a, in a few weeks, you are dropping your eighth or no, next. No, this week. This week, you're this dropping week, your eighth album. Finally. Yay. Yes. And um, going on tour. I'm with going Jimmy on, Eat World. With Jimmy Eat World, our friends, Jimmy Eat World, and we've never toured together. We've done lots of shows over the years. And you know them all? Oh, yeah. But yeah. We've, we've, never, we've never toured together. And it's probably my band, I, the band I've wanted to tour with more than any other band. So you're a big fan of theirs? Big fan. Okay. What other music do you like do you, that influences you too? Well, the Counting Crows um, oh, have yes. been a, a long-standing influence for me. Um, have you met Adam? Uh, Adam is one of my closest friends, and he is uh, 
I used to party with him in L.A. Say hi. I will. And he's <laughs> uh, he's been an incredible friend to me. He's also been a great mentor to me uh, from from early early on in my career. I, I don't know that I'd be you know where I am as an artist uh, without him. And wow. So, but Counting Crows and um, Paul Simon is a mm. is a big deal to me. But then there's all these counterculture bands that, that very few that fewer people I think know about that that probably have as big an influence. Give us a few. Bigger. Okay, Jawbox and Jawbreaker. Um, Face to Face, um, let's see, Descendants, that's a big one for me. Just name a few. Very cool. Yeah, I'm, I'll take notes when I go through, when this is over, because yeah. I'm always You're looking for new music. Stuff. I told yeah. her I go back to soundtracks all the time. Yeah. because those... Yeah, it's funny, I'm not, new music, do you find new music hard to listen to, or, you don't, do you have kids? I do. Are they, how old are they? They have good music taste, so I can find music through uh, them for sure. Interesting. My son, my 16-year-old is really into like, right now, Aerosmith, Red Hat Chili Peppers. That's um, fun. We're excited to see them on tour this summer. Um, uh, so, but he's into, but he's also into like, he knows Michael Jackson and Prince. It was actually, he was in that School of Rock program and he got introduced to Motown and things like that. And so, and now he's really into Elvis, but he's also really into this hip hop culture right now that I just don't, you know, all the littles, little, little Nas, little Romeo, little, I don't know, all the little. <laughs> if it's littles. on Fortnite, I know about it. A little, Other than yeah. that, my kids are not Little Juice things. World, Marshmallow, all those, is it Marshmallow or Mellow? I don't know. Anyway, all those, and that, that stuff, my husband has, at least, he just sounds like an old man to me, but he's like, I don't get this music. <laughs> you know, he says all the old man things. Gas is so expensive. Bread used to cost less. Like, I'm like, you're like. Are you 70 or are you 44? Because he's just like <laughs> complaining constantly about the prices of things and the music that the kids listen to. But yeah. is there anything current that you listen to? Um, well. Anything shocking like that? Like that my 16-year-old would? <laughs> like, I don't I'm know. I'm just curious. If, like newer bands that I listen to that are that kids Like know? Macklemore? Yeah. I mean, like AJR's band I like a lot that I did find through my, well, I don't know that I found them through my kids, but for sure I know that that's my son's favorite band is oh, yeah. AJR. How old are your kids, if you don't? Uh, tw- 13 and 11. My okay. son is 13. My, my daughter is 11. How fun. The 13-year-old probably knows all those, because uh, mm-hmm. my 13-year-old knows it, but mainly from his big brother, I feel like, yeah. of the, the they, hip-hop They're world. both, I guess they they find all their music like everybody else now. TikTok. Through TikTok. And, yeah. um, I didn't know that all those TikTok songs were actually songs. Do you have a song that's like been hit, like a hit on TikTok? Not, a, like the, not, a, not, not in the way that we're going to make are. it happen. Yeah, let's These do it. viral, mm-hmm. like, yeah, everyone keeps telling my kids keep telling me, oh, your TikTok's terrible. I'm like, all right, I got to step it up. I got to yeah, figure something I do else. Too. We'll do something fun with one of your songs. I have to get up. I have to get, get up to speed on that. The access kids have now, if they're musically inclined to like kind of a. But it's also kind of sad because I feel like they can target anything they want and not hear. Like, I miss the days of radio. My kids don't understand when I do listen to the radio, like I'm listening to Lithium. I'm a big 90s rock girl. If I listen to Lithium, they're like, can you change it? Or can you skip this one? Or can you go to the, or can you just put on Moana? Or can you, you know, and that's the little one, obviously, not my 16 year old. But, uh, but then I'm like, well, you know, this is the radio and they don't understand having to listen. Like I remember sitting by the tape player, like waiting to push record (laughs) so you could record for your best friend that one song and hopefully you'll get the top of it and the radio announcer won't kind of leak, bleed into it. And you know, that whole moment of, but also hearing other music because you're having to listen to the whole, you know, they're going to play it within that hour, the song you want, that Madonna song or whatever, right? The clash. And, and you're waiting for this song to come on and you're hearing 20 other songs and we don't have to do that anymore. No, we were invested in a different way, weren't we? We were. In TV, having to watch commercials, yeah. having to, I mean, I still remember getting up to change the channel. Like, 
you know, and like have and not having all that content, having appointment television, that kind of thing. Yeah, that, appointment television. I remember flipping through the TV guide to see what the appointment television was going to be mm-hmm. that week. Yeah. And, yeah. and if you didn't watch it, you missed out at the, you know, quote unquote, water cooler of school the next day. If you didn't watch it Friday morning, you had nothing to talk about with your friends. Or if you missed yeah. 227, or you missed Family Ties, or you missed Alf. Remember talking about Winnie Cooper. Oh, oh yes. Yeah, Wonder my friends years. on the playground. Oh, yeah, gosh, she's everybody. That poor girl. She's everybody's first crush. Like, I feel like she's that's a lot. She is. That's right. And she does all the, she's a Hallmark darling. Oh, though she just jumped ship to the, whatever it's called now, GAC. Dun, dun, dun. DC, I think. Scandalous. You can go find her. You come with me to Christmas come. We'll say hi to Danica. <laughs> um, what else, like, have you ever met Martin Sheen? I've not met Martin Sheen. So I did a play with him. I did the Crucible with him on Broadway. I was 16. I was an understudy. Nicest man ever. So you want to hear my, you want to hear my Martin Sheen stories real quick? So he, um. So he's playing the dad. I'm playing. I was understudying three roles, th- the three da- three of the daughters, three girls. But you never really get a rehearsal for one. You kind of rehearse like, well, if you're this character, you're going to stand on this mark. And if you're this character, you're going to stand on this mark. But if you're this one, you're going to be over here. So you're trying to keep it all together. And it was just my summer break from Clarissa. And I was doing theater. It was National Actors Theater, brand new with Tony Randall had started it. And it's Martin Sheen, Michael York, who was a big Shakespearean actor. And I'd watched him like in school on in Shakespeare movies. And so here I am working with these amazing actors and I have to go on. They call you that morning and they're like, she's sick. You have to come in. You have to go to Capizio, get some shoes, show up for rehearsal. And then, you know, the show's on at 8 p.m. So I like run through the city and get together and go to rehearsal and try to figure out this one character. Now, I've only rehearsed all the characters, so I've never done it all the way through as one person. So I'm, I still have nightmares about this, by the way. So I have to like at the very beginning, the little girl passes out on the bed from the um, uh, the witches, you know, the the spirits taking over. She passes out and I'm too big. I almost hit my head on the bed. So they have to like cushion the whole bed so that I won't knock myself out in the middle of the show. But at least at the very beginning, I had to start sleeping in the bed. So I get like a good 15 minutes to calm my nerves once that curtain opens. But he's the first person to stand next to the bed. So he comes over as the curtain's about to open. And he gives me a little kiss on the head and he's like, you know, a break a leg or uh did he say break a leg? Something like that. And he was just, I just remember being like, oh, Martin thinks I can do it. You know, like, it's going to be okay. <laughs> and, um, yeah, and somehow I survived the show. I don't remember a single moment of it. I just went blank. But um, made it through it. But there were other times, like, the opening night, Charlie Sheen came by. And, of course, Charlie and Emilio Estevez were, like, huge stars at the time. Because this is, like, 1992, I think. And um, and Martin's there. And, of course, we're, I mean, uh, uh uh, Charlie's there and we're all just like oh my god Charlie Sheen's here <laughs> and we go we would always go from the theater it was the Belasco theater on 44th street we go next door to Undetois afterwards for a party because it was the opening night and I was just waiting for Charlie to walk in all the good little girls were waiting for Charlie to walk in the door and he didn't come we all go up to Martin we're like um because we didn't really know who Martin was at this point right like we're we're Charlie fans and they were like we were like, where is he? She's like, oh, he broke his tooth on a milk dud and had to rush to the dentist. So he like took off. We didn't get to meet him. Oh. But when Emilio came to see him, he was dating Paula Abdul. And we knew that he was in Martin's um, dressing room. So some of the girls and I, I would never as an understudy have felt confident doing this, but I went with some of the other girls in the cast. We like knock on his door. We're like, good night, Martin. Just want to say good night. Great show. <laughs> He's like, oh, do you guys want to meet my son, Emilio? We're like, okay. <laughs> and like we shake Emilio's hand and he goes, oh, and this is my girlfriend, Paula and we look behind the door and she's sitting in the corner, this tiny little thing. She's like, hi. And we're just like, <gasps> wow. like 92. Yeah, she's like, a big star. I mean, Scrat point. Cat and all this is all like, <laughs> you're like, oh, oh, uh, snake, like, 
oh God, I just, <laughs> I can't wash my hand like Emilio and Paula. So yeah, Martin was just super sweet. And like, no matter how much we knocked on his door or begged him to meet his kids, he was all willing to be like, oh, hi girls. Yeah, sure. Duh. You know, sign that autograph for your friend and da, da, da. really nice guy. So I haven't seen him since. Adore him though. I mean, if he was like that back then, I can't, I mean, then West Wing happened. So, you know, maybe it went to his head, but I doubt it. Yeah. There's, there's something special. Uh, there's something next level about that kind of that kind of kindness, you know, yeah. that generosity. And I think it's 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 not that rare. I find with artists to be, just ha- be. You don't willing hear about those share. people. Is the thing you don't, don't hear about the people that behave well. You don't hear right. about the people that are nice. You only hear the bad stories. So you know, I try to remember that when I read reviews and stuff. The only people that really want to go and review stuff are people complaining. Um, you know, so I, I find that like, yeah, Martin Short, like nicest guy ever, Callista Flockhart, who you never hear about, but married Harrison Ford, like nicest, like she was my big sister growing up. And, you know, there's some of these people that you just don't hear about. And I get asked all the time, how did you end up normal? I'm like, not that I ended up normal. I just am not an asshole. Yeah. But I also learned it by working as, uh, alongside like Martin Sheen, who taught me, you know, certain ways to behave. And then other actors that taught me other ways I didn't want to behave. And seeing the difference and seeing how people talked about them behind well, their backs. Certainly that's the way it was for me coming up in the music scene. You just yeah. kind of like see this, this, um, if you see how far just little kindness goes, it's, it's easy to, it's easy to try to, um, maybe, I, maybe it's not easy, but I found it, I found it easier to emulate that. I agree. Like, and I don't know if you like, I, I mean, just saying it out loud is the first time I've heard myself say that or thought that, but to, to hear what people say about people, especially backstage at a theater, and I, I wonder if it's the same in the music industry, but to hear how people talk about, especially as a little girl, to hear other people talking about bad behavior in adults and to go, oh, okay, I don't want I don't want people to talk about me like that, but I do want people to talk me up about me like that. So there's a there's a few different actors that I definitely like learned big lessons from. Are there any like music well, examples you can come up yeah, with? Yeah, absolutely. Well I can tell you one that's more. Why don't I start at the top one? So I would say the um, only, not the only story, but a story that I have that's similar, on the level of like, wow, this this guy's got time for me. Mm. Kind of moment is, you uh, two took us out on tour, mm. and I was making a record when I got the call, and the call came in and said, you know, Bono heard your record. Wow. And they want you to <laughs> that right there. We that's were just enough. like. <laughs> Boom, mind blown. <laughs> so they, they want you to go on, they want to take you on tour. And then boom again. And boom again. And I said, Shh, okay, I'm in, of course. <laughs> and it's great, at least Thursday. So like, <laughs> oh. that's not how it works in the music industry. You usually have like months or maybe a year before you're out on that. Okay, okay, we'll be there. And so we were out within a number of days. And then, I, then it occurred to me in short order that the record he was talking about was the one I was making. So it's somebody either brought it to him or he came to. Oh, so you hadn't studio. even finished it. No, I was. So did you know how to perform record. it live? Well, he, I had plenty. I had a few records under my belt that I could play those songs live. But I found out later he was talking about the one I was making oh. that he liked the records I made. Okay. But he was when he was he was referencing that he was excited about this record. But the first day we show up, you know, you're not entirely sure how you're able to behave. It's a. Which record was this? It must have been Dusk and Summer. Maybe I was making Dusk and Summer. Yeah, I think I might have been making Dusk, Dusk and Summer. And um, we, I showed up at uh, the, what venue could it have been? It was an arena. They all looked the same. <laughs> um, and uh, I went to catering and I saw Bono at catering. Like one thing you learn in doing what I do is that it's seldom that you, are those big guys comfortable and women comfortable just sitting at catering because that's when the most eyes are on them 
Well, they're doing something, you know, like a little bit vulnerable, like yeah, having a bowl. Especially yeah. nowadays with a with a cell phone in your hand, you yeah. can get that one picture of them putting that food in there or the, you know, dribble coming out of their mouth or whatever right. it is. So it's not uncommon for somebody's assistant to get them their lunch, bring it to their dressing room, give them their own time. But there he was. And I thought, well, that's definitely don't say a word. Like that's what was my instinct. Mm-hmm. It was like, give this guy the space. And I walked in, he goes, Chris. And that's me. So I said, yes. And <laughs> did you have to go wait? I, I had that moment of like, okay, he's talking to you. Be you. So I did it. And, um, and, he, and he waved me over and we came, I came and sat down and he said, here's the... He, did he call he, you Godfather? No, he did not. <laughs> Are you sure? Absolutely sure. I feel like he should have. Yeah, I, I, I think that's reserved for you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, he may now. After here's this. Yeah, I hope he does. If Bono Bono listens to this, I'm going to have a Chris moment. It's Godfather. (laughs) And he told me, you know, he pulled me aside to tell me how, what he thought of my music and how highly he thought of it, which was lovely to hear from somebody that you've listened to your entirety of your life, the entirety of your life. And then he told, then he gave me a roadmap of what to expect as an opener for U2, which is not the same as just being an opener for any band or playing. And as a matter of fact, I had headlined that very arena not very long before. And I, I expected I could use that muscle memory, and he told me to abandon it. And he oh. said, expect to be unwelcome. And I thought, well, you know, I know I'm a by member. By the fans. Of, by the fans. And I thought, I'm a member of the U2 fan base, and I would, I'm open to seeing the opening band. And he, was, he said, this isn't judgment. He said, they're, they're just, it's something I've watched over and over. They're there to see us, and... And you invitation. can win them over, but like, don't expect it. Like you, you have to understand that they're probably like you, you go out and be you don't try to be somebody else, but don't expect it to work. Like expect to just keep driving at the, from note one to the end to just be just trying to win them over the entire time. And it was great advice, but it was also great advice to know, like what he left me with is like, and if they don't, if they don't come around before the end of set, remember I'm already I already am a fan. You, you've already won the guy over that they're there to see. Yeah. He said, so they will. They'll they'll come around whether it's while you're on stage or later when they're talking about you after yeah. the show. But keep that confidence going. That oh, now I, you're making like, me think. I, I was a big Nine Inch Nails fan, and I always hated when Marilyn Manson opened for him. Yeah. Hated Marilyn Manson. Well, but... you might have been onto something. <laughs> It's funny. I wouldn't. I would be like, oh, if they're opening for him this time, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay outside for a little longer or something. I was kind of. Now I feel like maybe I did the same thing, but like I was kind of that bitchy fan. <laughs> well, it's okay to not like the band that's opening. I think if they're not good. Yeah, I think that's okay. <laughs> I think everybody deserves a fair chance. Absolutely. But yeah, it's it's okay to not like the band that plays. It's maybe it's not okay to like decide I'm not gonna like the band right. that plays. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I think I I definitely knew Marilyn Manson when I made that decision. So I wasn't just being blind. Well, at his last it. show, the one at the Ryman that I was at, um, Laura, Jane? Laura Jane Grace. Yeah. I had never seen before live at all and only heard old stuff. And so seeing that, I was just blown away. She brought the Huge house down, man. Huge She fan is now. intense. What an intense performer she is. How's that? Perf- how is it to perform at the Ryman, especially in your hometown? So it's great. It's one of my favorite places to play. And well, for those that don't know, it's the original old Grand Ole Opry, right? That's right. For, for decades, they, had, they hosted the the Grand Old Opry there, and it is a beautiful, uh, you know, de- what is it, deconsecrated church? Is that mm-hmm. the word for it? it? It had been a church, you know, oh, yeah, in, yeah. in the turn of the century. Oh, Last, like I used to go to the Limelight. A couple of centuries ago. A couple of turns of the centuries ago. I used to go to the Limelight in New York City. So, yeah. Which was, I used to live down the street from Limelight. Yeah, yeah, me too. 
Sixth Avenue and Tenth. Where'd you live? Thirteenth uh, and Sixth. Ah, yeah, what's right up? By the real Rays. That's right. <laughs> that is the real Rays that pizza. Is, for those, that is the real when, Rays. When they, Santa talks about okay. it in Every Elf. New Yorker I know has a different definition of the nope. real Rays. But this is the one that Santa talks about in Elf, so you know it's the real one. Because Ed Asner says, he goes, <laughs> but the real the- one is on Sixth Avenue and Twelfth Street. I had to walk past it to go to the hospital when my mom had my baby sister. So okay, we at have St. to Vincent's. finish the West Wing story. Sorry, though. sorry, oh. West Wing story. We haven't got, we haven't finished it. Oh my I want to know how it wraps into the new song. So here's oh, the, the yes. here here's one thing that they end the, the that I love about the show is it's it, it, like it's not a comedy. It shouldn't have like a catchphrase. You know what I mean? Um, but it does. It has this 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 line that they utter very often at the end of the episode where it's usually the president, or at least it starts on the pilot, where he says, "What's next?" Mm-hmm. President Bartlett says, "What's next?" and uh, it just is a. It's just an indicator of like we we're handling this heavy thing. It's handled. We have to go handle the next. Is that heavy always thing. at the end of the episode? It's not always at the end, but it's close. But it's often at the end. So it's and sort of like instead of saying the end, it's like we're on. we're going into. There's going to be more. There's more to come. Keep right. pay attention. There's more to come. But there's also this this um, this presence of mind that like we we charge towards the next thing that I love that I love about that that about that. So I had that in my head and I wrote this in a more inelegant phrase, here's to moving on. And here's to moving on is the song that I was saying, well, that's more directly related to where I am now, my new music that's that's connected to the West Wing. Yeah. So let me ask you this real quick, just because people always want me to reboot shows and everybody's always like, you know, at your shows, I'm sure people, you get the biggest cheers for the songs they know the best, they've heard the most, that kind of thing. Do you, I know artists um, go back and forth between loving their biggest hits and hating their biggest hits. How do you feel about that? I love them. You do? Yeah, because here's what like I have. babies? This is what I think is the advantage of what I do, which is probably true when you do theater, because it's like this living, it's not It's not just one day that has happened. Yeah. It's living, it, it's a living art form. It's, it continues, you're continuing to interpret it. And you can nightly, evolve. Yeah. Like you would with theater. Yeah. And so the song evolves as your performance might. It's not you like a You don't get tired of it then. You don't get tired of it. And also... Um, the audience is changing night after night and they bring something different and the song is imbued with the the meaning that they seem to be uh insisting on in the moment and they're drawing it out of you so that's what i like like that's that's the real my real job and the real art form that i play in is that live performer thing yeah do you find that when you talk about the audience um i always found and i've had to tell other people this that aren't in the arts really uh like friends that are spin instructors and whatnot that sometimes they didn't really understand how to play to the audience but i don't know if this is the same in music as it is in theater but um you have different audiences i mean an audience can be so different night to night right you i have i always find that there's the sleepers there's like the old lady sleeping in the front and you might have like a, a night when nobody is into it nobody cares nobody you can't get the energy up you have ones that are like the hecklers the really loud the obnoxious crowds the ones that are screaming singing along all that like they're just like they're there they're in it they're clapping standing ovation the whole thing and then you have the ones that are i call the listeners you have the ones that are like quiet and you think it's a dead show you think it's terrible you think it's not going well nobody's paying attention and then you get the standing ovation at the end and you're like Oh, they were, they were, they, they were. I'm, you've made my night, my day. I can't believe it. I love hearing when other people see this phenomenon because it's like this stoic, this, I perceive it as like, this is their worst night. I'm giving them their worst night they've ever had. Yeah. They're hating this moment. And it's inevitably those ones that are like, they'll come after you after the show. They've waited to find you to say how moved they were. 
And you and had, you had myself, no idea. Yeah. Where was this happening? Like yeah. what behind your visage? How is this happening? That's whenever it's like a dead audience. I always have to think to myself, they're the listeners. These are the listeners. They're listening. Yeah. So much of that depends on the venue too, yes. especially in a dashboard show. From my experiences, the bigger venues, it's, it's less intimate. And so you almost feel like you can't celebrate in the same way as when you're in a small venue. Like I will never forget the basement East show. I don't know how many years ago it was time runs together, but it was like being back in the scene with all the people who'd missed it. And the energy was the same. Every single person in the room was singing along. We were all dancing. How long ago was this? Oh gosh. Like ear. How long ago was that? Five years ago. It was before the tornado because it was in the old basement East. And it was just like a flashback. And it was one of the most fun nights ever in my adult life because I was like, this is a revisit to a time that is long past for every single person here. Do you feel like sometimes like one person will set the tone for the audience too? Like it might be you, but it might not be like, sometimes you can't control it. it's often not me. It's like somebody, if one person, like I sometimes, okay, so spin class is like the closest thing I have to relate to this. But sometimes like I went to a spin class this week and I was not in a woohoo mood, but usually I'm like, woohoo. Every time a song comes on, every time they say something motivating, I'm like, woohoo, woohoo. The other day I didn't want to speak at all, but I was still working hard, but I was like, not in a mood to like, but if I do, I feel like half the time then five other people do it too. And if I don't do it, then I'm not the cheerleader that bring, like brings people along. Do you feel like there's somebody or is there a band member of yours that sometimes gets, can is can really get them well, pumped up or something? It's un, No, it's unpredictable. It's always from the audience, it seems like. And I'll tell you, I'm that guy sometimes, not the guy that wins the day. I'm the guy that goes in like it's a spin class every now and again. Like, okay, I got to drag myself out there. I got it. I said I'd go to class today. Yeah. I'm doing it. And I put myself on stage and I kind of just have to say I trust that that person's out there that one person that's gonna back you up that's yeah. gonna be and your it's cheer- like, head cheerleader and who is that one person in a sea of people going crazy it's an unfair thing you know to be like I need somebody going even more crazy yeah yeah, yeah. but they're out there and yeah. they help so much well you know I notice that whenever you go to what is it like um is like Disney World or something and you're in then they're like I can't hear you and you have to do it and you're like Woo, you <laughs> yeah. get, but it does work it well, what does do you do work. like I'd love to know what you do when you're doing live theater, if you, because it's not as interactive, right? Mm-mm. It's passive. The fans' duty is to be respectful. But how do you, do you ever walk in like, how am I going to? F- I haven't done how's this gonna theater in a while. And the last plays I did as an adult were um, both read off cards. It was Vagina Monologues and uh, Love, Loss, and What I Wore. So you were technically reading. So it wasn't as nerve-wracking as, although on in Vagina Monologues, I had to do 12 different kinds of orgasms every night. <laughs> So sometimes if my lawyer was in the audience, my dad was there, my ex-boyfriend's father, you know, that was awkward. Um, but right. every night, every night I was like, I don't know if I can do it. And then I'd get through it and I'd be like, oh my God, I did it. That's amazing. But um, it, it's, yeah, you, you're not looking, you're looking for an audience reaction, but not like, okay, so for, but well, for example, my sitcom, Melissa and Joey, or most recently I did one for Netflix called No Good Nick, and those have 200 person audience. So I don't like doing those shows, though, because Clarissa and Sabrina were not in front of an audience. So I'm not used to playing to the crowd to try to get laughs because I feel like if I am, then I'm too broad because I'm already broad and big and loud and obnoxious. So if if the if I'm trying to get the audience to give me something back, I feel like I'm overdoing it. So I kind of like the more intimate. So I do like theater, I think, a little bit better than maybe live television because I don't have to get their I really just wait for the applause at the end, let's say. But there are times like vagina monologues was there was funny, there was sad, there's stories about rape, there's stories about, you know, ill fitting panties, things like that. You know, so there's some funny and there's some really, really sad, upsetting stuff. 
And so you get to kind of gauge throughout it. But it does suck when you're there and you're trying to sell a joke and it doesn't it doesn't land. You know, that's kind of the most heartbreaking yeah. with drama. It's different. You don't necessarily want to hear people sniffling and crying in the audience, but you do want someone at the door to tell you at the end of the night that, you know, that was a great performance, that kind of thing. Um, but I don't know. I don't we don't get to. There's so nothing more we your, can do to pull from the audience. Do you lean to a, on a castmate in that moment if you don't if you don't or do you just find it within yourself? No, I usually just find it within myself. I mean, I, I feel like if we've done the legwork, if we've done the rehearsing, if we've done the, the, we know that the jokes have landed before, but they're just not landing now. Well, and in sitcom, they'll just, honestly, what kind of sucks too is like, if a joke works in rehearsal, but the audience doesn't dig it, or they dug it the first time, but not the third time, they'll change the joke. And then if they get a big reaction from that first time you hear that second joke, They'll use that in the cut. So you might not even, you're watching Friends, you might not hear the funniest line. You're just hearing what the writers thought oh, was the funniest reaction from the, the audience. So the audience will dictate which cut ends up happening. So that can be a little, but really, I mean, with comedy, it's hard because you do want to hit things hard. Like Betty White had this great moment I was watching the other day. Um, uh, I was watching her in her first episode of Mary Tyler Moore, and she has to get a souffle out of the oven and she gets it out and she does this great thing with her knee. She slams the uh, stove shut. And it's like this great physical moment of just like, it's so fast and so wonderful. And you just know, like I was watching that going, I wonder how she rehearsed that. Who gave her that? Did she come up with that? Did someone else come up with that? Like that was such a great little nugget that makes me love her more. Like, and you know, it's like, where did that come from? Who gave her that? But hopefully it's just something she came up with. And maybe it was just that one take that she did that, but you know, you can you can play around with stuff, but it's not it's just not the same as you guys like out there jamming, playing like, you know, riling up the crowd and people being so excited to see you. I feel like a lot of time people come to acting stuff, theater especially, but, you know, sitcom not as much. They come for a party. They come for the free pizza, the stand up comedy. Because like when I'm doing the show, there's a stand up comic, there's a DJ and there's free pizza. So everyone's sitting out there, gets Pete gets to eat. Meanwhile, they're eating and telling jokes and listening to Macklemore while we're up here trying to change the lines, make it work. What did you do wrong? Macklemore today. I know. I don't know why. It's like <laughs> stuck in my head for some reason because the ceiling can't hold us. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but I, uh, you know, you're trying to focus, and it's like this party's happening out there. But you, so it's such a weird, distracting thing. But it's also it is fun to be a part of the party. And you, know, but you have to pull aside in that moment and like pull it together and figure it out. But the I feel more like you they do a good job of bringing that out of people, though you pump it up. Well, I'm just maybe it goes back to feeling like I'm just part of that scene. Like I think, yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah. maybe we're all nostalgic for that time. Yeah, and excited for the future and like what else you do. So yeah, I guess that is kind of what it is. So but... what would be like your worst show that you've done? Is there one? Like, would you say there's like one particular show that stands out that you wish you hadn't? Yeah. The thing about like superlatives, like worst, <laughs> is that there can only be one, and there's just so many bad ones. Yeah, over but give us just so one. many years. We just want to hear one. One. It's one bad one, man. I don't. Is there like a moment that? Okay, you, like... yeah. I, I, okay, I, I can cop to it. I had a. It wasn't long ago. It's quite recently, um, and it wasn't long before that um, Ryman show. And I wasn't back to form yet. Um, we'd had a pandemic to sit out, mm -hmm. and I was in a an accident, and it was pretty bad, and. Um, it took maybe 18 months before I was like, you know, w well recovered. But this was only maybe 12, 13 months after it. So I was just out there doing my, my level best. And, you know, it's as if we had all this gear and there's what your listeners and viewers can't see is there's people beyond right. the cameras that are doing work. 
And there's a lot of complicated gear going on here. Well, all that complicated gear is there for me too, and none of it was working. But it wasn't all not working at once. It was successively failing. Oh, that's the worst. And this is happening in a place in my life where I wasn't fully confident in my own Mm. abilities to carry the day. I didn't have them at my disposal. And so I was only looking out there for the audience. And all I, because I was so focused on, I need somebody out there, I could find no one. I could see this sea of, it was like 10,000 people. It was like plenty of people to, to try to, but all I could see was like, I'm failing this person. Oh, Wait, I'm are you literally looking down. at the faces? I'm looking at the faces because it was like uh, an outdoor festival. You're trying, to get, a, you're trying to get a, a reaction from, you're trying to get like a reflection off yeah. someone's so, face. You know, I guess I, I know that like, usually that person I can find them but I'm also like I also have it within me yeah and also you know I can hear the microphone mm-hmm. and those kinds of things mm-hmm. but what the gear is failing the people are are doing their best to keep us going and I and then I realized after a while oh they can't actually hear us either and so I was like how many songs can I pantomime in front of an audience they can't hear me with, they can't hear me without it being like they're like giving me that, yeah, you you got it, buddy, to like, okay, get the hook. <laughs> and so like knowing I was like, okay, I have to call this thing. It's like putting the dog down. It was rough. Oh. I was like, okay, I guess. And so that was the, and it wasn't like, I'd love to say that there was other, um, there are other instances that are more um, like, oh, I, I, I. Uh, Hit a really bad note or something. Yeah, like, like that's 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 more like oh I, I failed trying. Is there like a it was joke? so magnificent I gave it my all, but this one was just like yeah there was it was a no I was I was we was DOA. Not, that was just all around a rough day. day. That was a it was rough all day. around a rough day. So we've all had those, right? Yeah. And so like I left there. I remember calling my wife and being like, I I don't know how you come back from a moment like this, and and you know she had the salient kind of um, insight that was like you know this is. 20 years into this career, another five with the band you had before it, so many more in the trenches before that, you know, you can count on one hand the times you've had this. Why mm. would this be the indicator the that, that this it. is how things are going to be? Yeah. Right. yeah, yeah, And yeah, it, yeah. Was like a, it was a great kind of shot in the arm of like, oh, yeah. And she said, let's just focus on the Ryman which was yeah. the next show that's yeah. come. I know we keep referencing this it's because Amanda was there. And, and yeah, it was that a was big there. deal. It's a, that's a, it was, it was a really great And it was show. the 20th anniversary of... It was... Um, it was the 20th anniversary I've got it. Hold on. of <laughs> the places you've come for the most and the MTV Unplugged. In oh, succession. the MTV Unplugged. Yes, yes, And yes. Um, actually, it was officially the MTV Unplugged one. And so we did it as like in that kind of style. And uh, it was my first real show back, a first dashboard show. We'd done that festival, a couple of festivals. But it was our first headlining show after having had an accident. And let me tell you how special that was for me because the accident occurred here in Nashville. The recovery occurred here in Nashville. The, the hospitalization was all in Nashville. And a lot of people got me back on that stage. Mm. Um, and not the least of which, obviously, were, uh, were the surgeons and, and the hospital staff mm-hmm. and the um, physical therapists. And they were there. They were there oh, with me wow. for the show. Um, I could see them. I'm going to get so teary-eyed. Cool. <laughs> I could see them out there, you know, knowing how much work they'd put in. Yeah. To get me into that moment. And I also felt for my audience who I wasn't, I'm not the best follow on, on socials because I like, I, I don't love it in a, in a way that makes me do it all day. Yeah, and right. I like following people that do do that when I, when I'm following people, but I was open enough to talk about how these tr- trials had been for me mm-hmm. and people flew from around the country, around the world, even to be at that show, my first one back. And there was a forgiveness in the air of like, we've, 
we, none of us know how to be at shows yet again post-pandemic. None of us really know how to be in big public settings like this. Let's figure this out together. Yeah. And let's help, let's help each other have a great show. And, th- nice. and it felt com- like a community. Well, that's actually, we, um, before Melissa and Joey, so funny enough, I got this from Reba. Um, Reba, her show, her TV show, her first AD, the first assistant director, um, his name's Robbie Countryman, he worked on that show and she would always pray. And I think it comes from her touring so before her TV show, she would pray, which is not something I ever did before a TV show before. But I'd also never done the live TV shows. So from Melissa and Joey, Robbie was our first AD, and he was like, let's pray before the show. And we got together and held hands and did a prayer before every show. We did 104 shows, I think, and we held hands and prayed. And so when I met Reba, finally, I thanked her for bringing that to me. And then I brought it to No Good Nick, and I brought it to some other shows since then. But that was our what we always said in our prayer was, we're just here to give someone a laugh. Let us just go out there and give someone a laugh that needs it today. And that's all. So that was our focus. And I brought that to younger kids when I direct other shows and stuff. And, and there's kids there. And you say that it makes them calm down and think about that. Um, the, the true the true meaning of what we're doing, which is entertaining. Right. We're just here to entertain. It's not we're not going to kill someone if we do it wrong. Um, we're not you know, we're we're not changing the world in, in huge ways. We're not landing on the moon. We're just we're just trying to give someone a laugh today who needs it and that was that was enough to kind of focus us in and help us get out on stage and just like do a really good job because we realized what look what we get to do like it's so fun what we get to do so we need to um give you a guitar i think yes have you play a little what do you want to play well you have so your new song is here's to moving on and your new album is it's called all the truth that i can tell and that's coming out soon but the song is already out that song is out Amanda, you know what drives me absolutely crazy? What's that? Single-use plastic. Literally, it drives me, like, I think I have a problem because it gets in my head and it makes me crazy when I look around and I see how much plastic we use in our lives. Everything. It's everywhere. And it is so 2000. I mean, this is 2022, (laughs) people. It's way past time to make cleaning fun, beautiful, and plastic-free. I am for it. Blue Land's idea is simple and beautiful. Buy the bottle once. Refill it forever. No more plastic waste. The only thing you need to discard is your outdated idea that eco-friendly products are more expensive and less effective. All you have to do is fill Blue Lane's beautiful Instagrammable bottles with warm water and pop in one of the hand soap or spray cleaner tablets. And within minutes, you have powerful cleaning products in the most incredible scents, such as iris agave, perine lemon, and lavender eucalyptus. And oh I my love gosh. the lavender eucalyptus. I love the way my house smells after yeah. I've cleaned with Blue Lane. Each of my boys has a bottle of the hand soap in their bathrooms. So that their little stinky boy rooms smell <laughs> just a little bit better and they are a little bit cleaner. I even tried the toilet cleaner tablets recently and my bathroom smells so good. Oh, and you know what? I hear that those are backed by very popular demand. So you have to get them before they sell out. So here's what you can do. Right now, you can get 20% off your first order of any Blue Land products at blueland.com slash binge. That's blueland.com slash B-I-N-G-E. Check it out. And thank you, Blue Land, for being an amazing sponsor of this episode of What Women Binge. Hey, Amanda, what is the capital of Canada? Uh... Okay, do you know about the country of origin for kebabs? You know what? You should play Trivia Star now and prove your knowledge or lack of knowledge. (laughs) I feel like I could guess at kebabs. It's somewhere in the Middle East, I bet. Okay. And Canada is? I mean, Quebec? Ottawa? Ottawa. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. Ask me pop culture questions. I know, right? Well, here. Okay. Name a member of the New Kids on the Block. Uh, Number 15 seconds. Go. Joey McIntyre. Oh, there you go. Okay, look, you won. He's so pretty. So if you (laughs) like playing trivia as much as we do, Trivia Star is a free mobile trivia game with over 60 different categories, and you get to choose the category. It could be, what, 
music, TV, pop culture, animals. What everything. Else? Everything. Celebrities. And if you choose the correct answer from multiple choices and beat the clock, you move on to the next level. It sounds simple, but the questions get harder and harder over time. And if you get stuck, don't worry. You can always use coins and gems to get the hints and beat the levels. And right now, Trivia Star is offering you 2,500 coins and 500 gems when you download and play. So you just have to go to the Apple or Google store and search for Trivia Star. Download Trivia Star for free today and get ready to flex your brain muscles. Ugh. All right, you guys, right here in our very own What Women Binge studio, we have Chris Caraba from Dashboard Confessional playing his brand new song, Here's to Moving On. I feel like I found something new to remind me of you all the time. Picture a hairband, a song, or this cork from this bottle of wine. Click of the thermostat kicking off just when it's getting too warm. Dropping the pressure, smelling the air when it's starting to storm. And I hate to admit that it's true. But I like how it feels that I do. Here's the waking up. Here's the living more. Just listen and let myself feel how it sounds Little bit hopeful, little bit hollow, little bit down This house isn't empty, exactly it's settling down for the night It's creaking and cracking, it sounds familiar, it doesn't feel right All that time that it takes to let go how could I be the last one to know? Here's to fighting less, here's to living more. Here's to feeling alive again, here's to picking yourself off the floor. Here's to waking up, here's to sleeping well for once. Here's to knowing the things you wish you could change. But 
how it feels that I am so yourself off the floor Here's to waking up Here's to sleeping well for once Here's to knowing the things that you wish you could change Here's to saying you're fine when you're not Here's to being right Here's to being wrong Here's to letting go Here's to moving on I love the line, um, uh, 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 sleeping well. Like, mm. I love that. That, like, really hit me when I first heard it. It was like, yes, I want to do that. I want to, like, finally sleep well. Yeah. I love that because everybody, all, yeah, cause, all of us. <laughs> right? Because yeah. everybody, I would feel like everyone wakes up and just goes, ah, I didn't sleep well last night. Like, everybody. So that one really hit me. That I just line. feel like this whole song, it's like an anthem for this phase of life for all of us moving out of the pandemic. Totally. Willing, just changing focus. Yeah. You know, like looking forward, not looking back. It's a new world. Let's Such go. a great 2022 song. Oh, Here's to beautiful. moving on. Thank you. This thank is, you. Thank you. Like the great. Oh my gosh! Will you ever. do another one for us in a little bit? Okay. All right. Cool. All right. So, Chris, um, we want to talk about Spider-Man too. Yeah. Um, so your song, Vindicated, was the theme song. Yeah. Um, can you tell us a little bit? Because you know, I know, like, this is fate. I have to tell this story. Amanda. Amanda is. Like geeking out bigger than oh, it's ever geeked. Why? Because you're here. I am. And how this happened. I, I totally am. Yeah, it's wild how I ended up here. I right? know. So, so one of the mats, our crew is full of mats. Um, <laughs> one of our, our friends, Matt Lott, w- went to see the new Spider-Man, which he's a huge Spider-Man fan. And as he's exiting the theater. The bathroom. There you are. <laughs> and he's a huge fan of you. And yeah. a huge fan of Spider-Man. So he completely geeked out. He has a Spider-Man tattoo. So He does. In the I've best way. It. And he was he was bold and approached you, and here you are. And here I am. And you know what? It was a great moment because um, that's a that's a without giving away for those who if there's anybody left that hasn't seen <laughs> right. it, it's probably not. But but it's like it's a pretty emotion. It's a an emotional ride, and I think everybody left that movie with this weird conflict inside where you're like on top of the world because it's this giant epic superhero but it, movie, but it's a, it's not just spectacle. It's a pretty deep movie, right? Mm. And so I was like shaking it off for a minute as I walked out of the theater and and um, uh, often is the case that uh, that I'll see friends at the movies like everybody, right? And then sure. I saw somebody with a knowing glance and I thought, oh, there's somebody that must know me. <laughs> but uh, coming at me and I was like, oh, I'm ready to tell him how moved I was about <laughs> that movie. But then it was it was Matt, who I had met before, mm-hmm. um, but d- don't know well. We have a common friend and we were talking about the movie and then he told me what he's up to with you guys yeah. and said... I think they'd love to have you on, and here and I here am. Here you are, and you're playing for us. And so your song, so Vindicated, was. Uh, so Spider Man comes that, through again for me. Yeah, so, tell us how that uh, how that came about that you did the theme song for. I just wonder how those things how those things transpire. Like, yeah. how do you get to do the theme song for Spider Man? Get you get lucky, and you have somebody <laughs> that believes in you. That so they a, came to you to write the song, or they cho- chose one of your written songs. So they came to me to be part of the soundtrack and not be the single, um, not be the song that's in the movie. Um, it came from a specific person, a, a woman named Leah Volick, from who was at the time was the head of music for Sony Pictures, 
under Amy Pascal. And, um, and she was a fan. And she was not just a fan of, of the music I made, but also she's a member of like that scene that Amanda and I are from. As a matter of fact, she used to be like a front of house mixer for like um, Richard Hell and like the CBGB's days. Oh, wow. Wow. So she's like a, an OG, like the real thing in a lot of ways. And so she, she believed in what I was doing. She wanted to help in her way help my career, which is such a nice thing, to, which is not just, that's so, so reductive, it's a nice thing to do. But like to stick your neck out for somebody who's that's really rare. early on in their career, in the it's rare. Because yeah. um, this and is what year, it. what year is this, this Spider-Man is like, 2 is? So they must have been making it in 2003, or was it out? Like in two? This is the second Toby. It was out in 2003, right? So it was out in 2004, so we, thanks, Matt. So so we were, so we were, I was approached in the year, in the year prior. Okay. And, but the, here's the best part. They invited me, she invited me, do you want to come on the lot and see the movie, like, while it's in production? Yes, Not post-production, in production. Like, I could see the dailies. Mm. And, I mean, it was totally, it was like, the movie was done, it wasn't finished, it wasn't the final edit, and it wasn't the final rendering of the special effects. So, here I was alone in a, one of their in-house theaters there, um, and it would be what you would come to see in the movie. And there's Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man swinging by. But then it's totally just animation. And then it's just line drawing. It's like temporary stock, uh, I mean, mm -hmm. the temporary yeah. footage in place. So it's really, like, inspiring to see, like, what's happening, how it became this next thing from a, from a production point yeah. of view. is pretty amazing. And I just, that was it. That was the lotto win for me. And I thought it couldn't get any better than this. And I had left really kind of like, I was, like, spinning out on the on the drama on the um not just okay so i come to it as a comic book fan from a childhood as, a, as somebody that is pretty steeped and encyclopedic in my knowledge about like marvel to begin with and spider spider-man specifically so i was like already like giving them an attaboy and felt like great they, they're doing justice to this this lore but what i really was drawn into at the moment was like wow this is like there's some resonant stuff for me just as a human being here in this it wasn't the story Spider-Man at the moment. It was this Peter Parker mm -hmm. conflict that he was having. He's like, I, I, I'm, a lot is being asked of me in this moment. I was having that kind of time in my life. And a, a lot, uh, I want to be with a person that is not completely available to me to be with in this moment. And I was in that same position. And I just remember leaving and thinking, there's, there's, probably, there's probably a song in this for me too mm -hmm. and feeling that that was a victory that maybe later on I would actually have been I knew I was inspired and I thought maybe a song would come out did it come easily it did come easily so easily and fast it was only like a couple of weeks later and I sat down I, we were in Hawaii um, we tried to do this thing with the band where we will end a tour when we can in some place pretty glorious like yeah. that yeah. right and, and take a few extra days and just especially at the end of a year, maybe, if yeah. we can, if it's a long cycle. I want to do that. Can I go on tour with you at the end? Yeah, come on. Come on. Just end again for the <laughs> last show. I just want to go to hey, police or, or, you know, yeah. whatever. So we were, we were all there, and then we were all going surfing, and I never made it I never made it to the beach that, that, that day because I picked up my guitar, and Vindicated spilled out instantly. Is that the fastest that's ever happened for you? It's among the fastest, but I'll tell you what, though, it's, it's, it seems to be that when it happens that way, it's one that will la will really connect with with a lot of people in my audience and have staying power. So I'm always like, "This is an ordained moment." You know it's it a good feels thing. like it, like yes. all, all that is magical, and all enough so that I called Leah just to tell her thank you 
Like this led to me having a song that I'm really excited about, in addition to the gift you've given me here with opportunity mm-hmm. for yeah. people to hear my music. And she said, oh, send it to me. I mean, we can't put it in the movie. It's too late. Right. But, but send it to me. I send it to her, like just, you know, my, my tape recorder. And right. I, it's, it's, I, well, it must have been digital at that time because I emailed it to her, right? So <laughs> I'm, I, I send her the song. And I got a call later. She's like, can you get in the studio tomorrow? Oh. And I was like, yeah. You're yeah. in Hawaii still? <laughs> yeah, I figured it out. I figured out how to do a proper demo the next day with a full band. And by the end of that day. In Hawaii. In but Hawaii. Oh, you had the band there. with you. I oh, had the band. Lovely. We had. We were yeah. there for a show. And so we had. A, we just like, we, we booked a room. We, we recorded the demo. And she said, I, we're going to switch it out. We're going to allow you a couple, uh, give extend your deadline here. I'd already delivered the other song. And in the... What's the other the, song? Is it out? Do you have it's it? It's not out. No. I want to one day. Maybe. Oh, mah, maybe it's like in your, it's dun, in your, uh, dun, it's in your safe okay. somewhere. It's somewhere mm-hmm. waiting for the moment. Lockbox. Anyway, but not to belabor the point, but she then had to still, like she went and she pitched it to the, like, hey, look, we're making this change. I just need you guys to give the okay. And like the okay was, yeah, not only do we like it, it's the single. Yeah, yeah. And so like, and then I got a call from like Avi Arad, who's like, you know, the produ- producing it. And then I got to meet Amy Pascal and all these things that like took the whole Story, my personal story a lot further than the big one it already wow. was. So what I'm indebted to all these people for that opportunity, but mostly I'm grateful to them because they didn't know that they were going to do this and they gave me a song. Well, and we're all indebted to them for getting you to do it because we all love it. Yes. Um, but real quick, I just have to ask you one cheeky question. Um, which one's your favorite Spider-Man? Oh, yeah. I mean, actor. Toby Maguire is my oh, okay. contractually obligated answer. <laughs> answer. He's a nice guy. I, I'll, I'll go with later. I'm, I know. I think Tom Holland encapsulates that character in a way no one has. In the way I think it was intended, and in, in a in a way that I think is uh, the best. The be- That's yeah. the one for me. But Tom Holland's but my pretty spectacular. Yeah. But Andrew I Garfield. I mean, there's no bad. It's one. funny. They're all really similar. And <laughs> like, right? They're very similar. Like look wise. I mean, look wise. Sure. Um, <laughs> so, uh, uh, we have the Godfather Costume here. Sure. The Godfather is about to play Vindicator for us, right? Oh my God. All right. Oh here we God. go. <laughs> no pressure. Dangles on a string Like slow spinning redemption Winding in and winding out The shine of it has caught my eye Wrote me in so Mesmerizing so Hypnotizing I am Captivated I am Vindicated I am selfish I am wrong I am right I swear I'm right Diamond in your ring Cut to mirror Your intentions Oversized and overwhelmed The shine of it has caught my eye Rendered me so Isolated So motivated I am Certain now that I am Vindicated I am selfish I am wrong I 
tired of the corners of your lips Part them and feel my fingertips Trace the moment for forever Defenses paper thin just one touch I'd be into deep now to ever swim against the current So let me slip away So let me slip away Let me slip away Let me slip against the current Let me slip away cutting onions somewhere. I mean, yeah. Oh, that was awesome. Wait, I want to ask you the line, um, I am seeing in myself the things you said you saw. Wait, has it? I am seeing in myself the things you swore you saw yourself. What does that mean? Um, to you. To me, um, it's kind of like this, uh, I think what brought me to a moment where I could stand, where I could say what was on my mind was, was a realization that like, Oh yeah, the the thing that the person I want to say it to, what they've told me they see in me, I've I've become it. Maybe I'm worthy of that relationship I want to have with that person. So you know how on every episode, Amanda, we ask our guests what their favorite beauty product is. Yes. You want to know what my favorite beauty product is? Absolutely, I do. It's apostrophe. Oh. And I know you love it. Too. I do. I'm really enjoying my apostrophe skincare products. So whether you're dealing with breakouts, you notice signs of aging, or looking to even out your skin tone, which is what I'm doing right now, trying to get rid of some sunspots, apostrophe will help you get glowing skin this year. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed oral and topical medications that are clinically proven to help clear acne. Yeah, they'll connect you with a board-certified dermatologist who'll create a personalized treatment plan just for you and your unique skin. Yes, and all you have to do is fill out their online quiz, uh, talk about your skin goals, your medical history, and then you take a few selfies, which I totally recommend you do before you log on. That way, a dermatologist can create a customized treatment plan just for you. That quiz is fun, and it's easy, and it's quick. And then Apostrophe's board-certified dermatologist will send you, in the mail, your treatment plan. It's the best. We have a special deal just for our audience. You can save $15 off your first visit with an Apostrophe provider at apostrophe.com slash WWB when you use Use our code WWB. It's only available to our listeners. Yeah, so to get started, go to apostrophe.com slash WWB and click begin visit. Then use our code WWB at sign up and you'll get your first visit for only $5. That's apostrophe, A-P-O-S-T-R-O-P-H-E dot com slash WWB. It's a lot of letters, but you can figure it out. And use that code WWB to get your dermatologist crafted treatment plan for $5. And we want to thank Apostrophe for sponsoring this episode of What Women Binge. Amanda, a brand I love is Splendid Spoon. You know, they just get it. They do get it. I love Splendid Spoon. They know that healthy food can get a bad rap, but these meals are delicious. Yeah, when I got my first delivery, I was hooked. I mean, they have vegan meatballs and they have 
marinara. They have these delicious soups. Oh, and the smoothies are so good. Smoothies, a little. I love the little shots. What are they? <laughs> the recovery. Oh, all <laughs> the recovery shots, really. shots. All the shots. But, but we're hooked a, on the recovery the shot. The recovery right shot now. has that tart cherry you're supposed to have after oh, a hard so workout, good. and we love that. Yes. Splendid Spoon believes in plant-based eating as the single most effective tool we have to feel good day in and day out. So when you make a habit out of plant-based eating, it allows you to be the best version of yourself, right? You get benefits like more energy, weight loss, improved, improved sleep. sleep. Yeah. Yes. And better skin. Better skin. You can't go wrong with that. I love that. Yeah. And some of the favorites are chocolate cherry smoothie. Oh, that I just tried the lime coconut. It is so good. Lime and coconut. It's like sitting on a beach. Yes. That's amazing. So here's how you guys can get started. And you can save $35 on your first order when you go to splendidspoon.com slash binge 35. That's right. Splendidspoon.com slash binge 35 to save $35 on your first order. So that's only $6.66 per meal. Yes, it is. And we want to thank Splendid Spoon for sponsoring this episode of What Women Binge. So you you talked in there about um, stupid questions. Can we ask you a few? I wish you would. Okay, cool. I'll oh, but hang on. Before we do short. this. Oh, what do we need to do? Oh, I brought, yeah, you brought, brought you something. something. Oh, yes. Gifts. Look. I love gifts. I don't know if I can move this Eat. microphone. Oh, yeah. Because it's one of my love languages. Here, do I... Well, you, talked, here, I your other song, you talked about you. corks in the wine. I but did. That, there's that, no corks in there's this no, wine. There's no, it's corkless. Tell us about it's, this. So, um, you know, I grew up in uh, like a beach community. And so like, you're not allowed to have bottles on the beach as, oh, yes. as everybody knows. And so I was thought, you know, like, what? If, what why isn't there wine in a bottle? Why isn't there bottle quality wine in a, in a can? And so I found a company that was doing it that was, that was led by a, a, a female vintner. And that is uh, on a sustainable farm. And my wife and I thought this would be a great chance to to be to put our put our support behind a company like that. And so it's called Canvino. Canvino. And it's fantastic. Can Should we break those that open? can't see on YouTube, you guys can check it's it out. It's five o'clock somewhere, right? It's five oh. o'clock somewhere. Maybe Look how here. beautiful the packaging is. I don't know which is. one I want, you guys. Oh, I'm what going do you think? Which one's your favorite? Which one's your favorite? Well, I'm a, I like the Pinot Noir. You like the myself. Pinot? Yeah. Okay, let me go with, wait, I think this is a Cabernet. Oh, it's peanut? delicious. I may have drank oh, here's the peanut, peanut already. Did you? <laughs> it's possible. So we give, I was so nervous before we went on. You're, <laughs> you're not the first guest. Delicious female towered canned wine. Yeah. Can yes. we give you a pair of our fuzzy socks? Oh, we love, oh man, I love Which socks. We've got to pick a pair of fuzzy socks here because oh, we all wear our there fuzzy are socks. So many we're, options. For those of you listening to the podcast, the um we are we are we have solid black. We are in Amanda and I are always in loungewear. We're chilling. There's um you have so many options. But yeah, oh what, are you, other, what, but what are you what are you thinking? Feeling? Well, I can tell you how I'm always feeling. I'll take the solid black. <laughs> solid black. Yeah. I like it. I, I'm out on a limb today wearing all blue. Anyway, I'm going to open but my wine. This Hold is on. this is my go-to. Thank you guys. I will cherish so, these. Thank you for the wine. Are great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have comfy feet, and we have comfy um, <laughs> wine. We're ready to kick it. We should have warned you. Ahead. We should have warned you ahead of time that we dress comfy and yeah. Do, do I not? Do I look? No, you. Too? No, you're in your. No, you're in your denim. You I look amazing. It. I love it. Are you amazing. comfortable? Is this what you lounge? Um, this is this is my lounge. <laughs> While we sip these, I'm going to ask you a few questions. Ready? Okay. okay. These are meant to be just like you know one word answers if you right. want. I'll elaborate. Uh, okay. <laughs> <Just> what <laughs> shows are listed under your continue watching? Oh, probably. Um, like what shows haven't you finished? I guess. What haven't I finished? That you'd or like just to like... stop. That you'd like to finish. Maybe you haven't gotten through. Or maybe you don't want to finish. I want to fit. I, I started that show, Fauda, which is oh. it's out there, man. You got it. It's, it's I don't know that one. About? What's it on? It's heavy fare. How about Seinfeld? That's a little heavy fare. <laughs> okay, but no, <laughs> give us it. something new. Come on. What's what is it? What's Fauda? It's too heavy. It's too it's heavy. Too heavy. The West Wing. The West Wing. Oh wait, yeah. no, you did suggest something to us that both what's, of us watched. What's that? Uh, oh, Station Eleven. Oh gosh, you started Station Eleven because of you. It's oh, man. kind of crazy. It's I love so it. It's so out there. 
it is like I was confused. I have to say, as a director, I was not loving the directing. Is that what you're about to say? I mean, we're not trying yeah, to bash it. It's horrible here, because it's, it's beautifully done. <laughs> I just didn't understand. Like, okay, I've only done one episode, so it was confusing to me. Yeah. So, do I have to get like three I, or four into it? To yeah, really? I don't think that. I don't. Yeah, every question's not answered. I don't think that I knew what was happening at the end of that first okay, episode. Yeah, I was but very I don't confused. think it wasn't intentional for the viewer to not really know. The other thing is flashing forward to the future. Mm. Like, obviously, people are dying, and it's a it's it's like it's a post apocalyptic right like like kind of like what we're going through right now there's a plague it takes over and and i don't know what happens after that but um so i'm not really giving anything away but they do these flashes into what was there and what is there um as far as the scenery and when they do those they're just i wish they were faster i wish they were like like a like a quick jolt of like you think you see what you see but you don't and instead they like stay on it for a while and you think you're going to be in the future but you're not and then you go back to the past so I was a little confused with the timing of it all. I loved it. But so this is I'm wild for me because it. I know how I listen to music. It's like with a different kind of critical attention than, than she most draw people your do. Eye to and I don't think I would have picked up on those things. Even My kids though. hate watching movies with me. They're like, you ruin everything. <laughs> My kids don't. So <laughs> when you watch Elf, if you, yeah. Oh, yeah? if you watch Elf, so, you know, John Favreau directed it. Yeah. But when you watch John Favreau in the scene where he pricks his finger... Um, if you watched, I can never watch anyone but John Favreau in that scene because I'm just watching him as a director directing while he's acting. When he pricks his finger, he immediately looks at Will Ferrell's face to see the reaction he's getting out of him <laughs> instead of reacting naturally to what's happening. Do you do that thing? Like my, my brother-in-law is a producer, um, um, uh, a feature producer, and he like he can't watch he can't watch anything but the extras to see whether or not they're awful. <laughs> I don't know what that's about. They ma- if the but he's always like, oh, can continuity. you see these? These they, they don't even know what they're doing. And I'm like, no, I didn't. No, I, I don't didn't think I was supposed to know. notice them. <laughs> Not sure. No, we have a, uh, yeah, there's like a lot, yeah, I, there's a lot of things I look at. Well, like, for example, woman, one of my best best friends is in wardrobe. And we went to see The Sixth Sense together in the theater back when, you know, way back when. And at the end of the movie, I was like, I turned to her, I was like, oh my gosh, can you believe that movie? That was amazing. I did not see that coming. She's like. I saw it coming. He was in the same freaking outfit the whole time. He was obviously <laughs> dead. Wait, what? She had the decoder She knew ring. the whole time. Uh, she was like, he didn't change his clothes. He threw on a coat. That was it. Well, Maybe I'm he was on tour. I wear the same outfit for weeks. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, you're a dude. It's you can this do one. that. Well, I'm very grateful that you recommended it because that's what Logan and I are going home I'm to watch. I'm going to watch it too. Excellent. I'm going to finish it for sure. Um, okay, a book that's been in your nightstand that you haven't finished reading. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, uh, the last the last thing he told me. By Laura Dave. Oh. oh, she's a friend of mine. She's fantastic. I mean, it was a bestseller. It's not just because she's my friend. But <laughs> and you're gonna maybe I shouldn't it. admit to having not finished it. But you're going to. Like it's one that you want to finish. Yes, Absolutely. yeah. You got to get there. That's okay. Don't tell her. I we won't. Finished uh, it. We won't tell but her. But we will buy her book. Delete. Um, what's your like go-to podcast for long commutes? Would you be surprised if I told you it was the West Wing Weekly? Not oh, at all. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Do they do recaps? Is it all? Recaps? They do recaps. It's. Um, uh, Rishi K. Sherway from from Song Exploder, mm-hmm. along with Josh Joshua Molina, who was Will on the West Wing, so yeah. it's, and they have access to the entire cast, including wow. Martin and oh Martin and Aaron Sorkin and the, and the director. That's so very forth. cool. So, What's your all time favorite movie? Hmm. I, uh, probably, honestly, No Country for Old Men. I think is probably oh. my favorite movie. That's a That's great a cool one. one. Uh, beauty product you can't live without. I have to ask. Yeah. Oh, I use a. Uh, I don't use a whole lot, but I use. That was it called Sumatech by Bumble and Bumble. My oh, hair. Yeah. Your hair is fantastic. Your hair I is told fantastic. you that earlier. I mean it. Thank um, you. <laughs> <laughs> what show did you expect to like but ended up disliking? Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm on the spot. And I know. that's a tough one. That's a tough was one. Was that one not on the list? 
should have been on the list. Maybe I just can't remember. Oh, I think okay. it was uh, ended up. Oh, ended up hating. I think I said, but we were we were going to say disliking to be nicer. Yes. So what show did I expect? Like, to did you like... expect? Did, like, did everyone like pump something up to you, and then you were like, or a song, or a book, or anything? Oh man, not the not no. Unfortunately, nothing comes to mind. Mm. That's good. That means you like everything. Yeah, You're very open minded. Um, if you could have one food on a deserted island, what would it be? Ice cream. <gasps> yes. <Me too. laughs> He's I always say pizza, but I think it's ice cream. What flavor? I, oh man. If you say mint chocolate chip, we're not friends anymore. Oh, that's my favorite. Ugh. What if I said like vanilla? Oh no, I like, yeah. It's like, I'm chocolate. I like, I'm simplest like with that. I like the simplicity. Yeah. Uh, although I could go for chocolate. Now I want some chocolate ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> you want some wine? <laughs> we, have a, we have a bucket of canned wine. Um, movie. <laughs> movie you feel like you should have watched, but you haven't yet. A movie I feel like I shouldn't. Oh, you know what? I always wished I'd watched, but then it was out of the theaters and everybody said you should have seen it in the theaters. It's Gravity. I never saw I, it. Same thing. I didn't watch it because everyone said the theater. I think I we just really, got to watch we, it. I think I blew it. I have a hard time with movies that are one person. Like I finally, during my Tom Hanks marathon during the lockdown, watched Castaway. But I won't watch these movies. I did watch The Martian, though, where people are like stranded by themselves. I'm like, what's the movie? Who are they talking to? And <laughs> There's besides, a lot of now drama I, it's Wilson, being alone. But like, yeah, but Gravity, Think about your I just inner don't dialogue. understand. Yeah. Who, yeah, but how do you express inner dialogue in a movie? the audience exposition? Exactly. How do you lay the pipe? Uh, I am so dramatic in my own head, so. <laughs> um, okay, and your most guilty pleasure. My most guilty pleasure? Okay, wait a second now. Does that mean like... It could be anything. Music. Do you love Britney Spears? Are you really into New Kids on the Block? Is there something we don't know about you? Is there a, like, do you love the Kardashians? Do you have a you fun hobby? Outside really into Big Red Chewing Gum? Is there something? Okay, so like, I sew a lot. <laughs> Oh, is that, so. is that weird? Like that's no, just that's like awesome. a, that's not a guilty pleasure. It's just a, like a rare no, thing a, that nobody knows about me a, because it's but lame. But you enjoy it. It's not lame. I went I went to fashion school. Sewing is hard. That is a talent. Yeah, you like darn your socks when they get. Is your wife happy about the fact that you like darn the socks back together? I've been, when they, I've been known to hem things around the house. The stockings yeah. rip at sure. Christmas time. You stitch them back together. Oh yeah. <laughs> All right, we're gonna but do. Now we got a sock guy, so we don't have to. <laughs> we do have a sock. There you go. We got the you got the soft socks. Um. Okay, I'm gonna ask you some this or that's. Okay. Wine or beer, obviously. Oh, wine. Cambino. Yeah, that's right. Housewives or Kardashians? Uh-oh. Oh, jeez. Uh, housewives? Right, I'm going to change that one for you. Okay. Um, in sync or Backstreet Boys? In sync. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. Mm. Um, wait, wait a second. Now, why was that like a shocking response? Or was I, it my response? I'm just no, waiting. It wasn't. I just was shocked that you answered, I guess. <laughs> With such authority. <laughs> so being like, I don't know. I don't know. I do know. In you sync. Don't, you don't seem like a pop music fan so i think I mean, that's maybe the I'm is that your guilty I have pleasure tears in heart don't i yes <laughs> in sync in, um pizza or tacos <laughs> pizza uh soft or firm mattress firm beach or mountains beach nespresso at home or starbucks those aren't my favorite options starbucks what's your other what would be a third well why does it have to be nespresso it right? doesn't it doesn't oh. coffee at Keurig, are you going for the keurig are you going for folgers no what i go through a, i like House? the whole routine oh. i got a routine he's oh. he's a fancy coffee you guy fancy yeah coffee. you need a, your own brew you got the, got the pour over sure. situation the whole oh, bag, like cold baby. brew mm-hmm. okay whatever you need come on by i don't understand so you're a barista in your spare time another guilty pleasure yeah you and my husband a singer songwriter that's a barista in his spare time that's, that, hey, I get made fun of in I Nashville. Play that of, is rare. It's usually well. I play a lot of restaurant apps, and people are always like, "You're the only actress that pretends to be a waitress." <laughs> so, you have a so I get it. Um, sweet or salty? Wow, because I love that sweet salty mix. That's like my favorite thing. But if have you I had to tailgate go, pizza? No. 
Tell me about Tailgate this. pizza here, especially the one in like West Nash, has uh, first of all amazing pizzas, and I love the, the the inside the atmosphere of the place is amazing. But there's also an ice cream bar, and they have this pretzel caramel vanilla ice cream oh, thing. That, I'm there they for that. put the pre- they put the bits in between. That's like cool. they don't just put it on top; they oh, put yeah. it in between. Oh man! And I mean, I think that's why I gained 15 pounds when I moved here. Um, <laughs> I think everybody does. <laughs> we all do. Welcome to the south. Now we know you're the godfather of emo, but country or rock? Ooh man. I guess I think rock. Okay, dog or cat? Dog, but it's close. But it's really? Yeah. Do you have both? Well, no, but I either? just don't want my dog to know how much I like cats. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, we won't tell him. We won't tell him. We won't tell him. Uh, art or sports? Oh, Would shit. you rather go to the museum or the Titan Stadium? Man, a museum in the Titan. Oh man, that's it. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go right now. A Titans Museum. That's right. That's where I'm at. <laughs> well, those are our questions. We have a secret jar here. We're going to ask you to write a secret down, and then at the end of the season, we're going to read through the secrets and try to guess who's secret. So it will be anonymous. Okay. But, you know, it doesn't have to be your deepest, darkest secret. But if you want to, it, can that'd be? Be, it would be it fantastic be. if it was. Okay. It'd be, although I already feel juicy. like you already gave us a few juicy. I feel like I've learned so much about you today. This was awesome. You. Okay. You're not only a super fan, you're like, you're like, you can c- consider yourself now an expert in Dashboard Confessional. I don't know if I'm an expert, but I've really I enjoyed like getting are. to know you. Yeah, well, thank, thank you. you. This has been Thanks so for, great. Thanks for having me and visiting with me. And wait, we want to plug your new song. Yeah. Uh, here's to moving on. Here's to moving on. And your new album coming out in a f- this, this week. week. This week. All is, the truth that I can tell. And your tour is starting with Jimmy World yeah. in like a week. Yeah. We're, we're, Where we're you start, at, you're starting in uh, Albuquerque. We're starting in Albuquerque. You know what? I don't know how we both know this so well, but we are starting in Albuquerque. <laughs> I find out memory. things about you. Do, do, do. Well, thank you Listen, so much. I need for you at like every interview I do. I will. I come don't with have you. this information readily at hand. <laughs> I will come with you, and right. I will hold your hand, and be lovely. Even I don't know how you play the guitar while I'm holding your hand, but we'll work it out. <laughs> Amanda will hold your other hand. There we go. <laughs> well, thank you so much for being here. Thanks. Really appreciate it. Thank you guys for joining us for What Women Binge. You can connect with all of us on your favorite social media platforms. We have at What Women Binge. Amanda? I'm at Amanda WWB. I'm at Melissa Joan Hart. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. You can find all of our links at whatwomenbinge.com and subscribe on YouTube. Our wonderful theme song was written and produced by my cute husband, Mark Wilkerson. What Women Binge is produced by Laughagram Studios, video production by Matt Giesler, and audio by Matt Lott, and production assistant Jennifer Best. What Women Binge is distributed by Podcast Heat. For more information, visit podcastheat.com.